AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. What is going on, guys? Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 442 for your Saturday, August 27, 2022. I am your host, J.D. from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Saturday evenings, wherever you may be, man. Seems like I ruffled a couple of feathers last night, man, with uh, the truth bombs that we dropped in regards to AEW. You know, a lot of people are uh, obviously misinformed. A lot of people are, I guess they don't want to really confront the truth head on. You know, we, we live in a day and age where if any of us say anything about someone's favorite or someone's favorite wrestler, someone's favorite uh, musical act, or whatever it may be, your favorite restaurant, whatever. People seem to get very defensive. People seem to get very upset that you're saying something about what they like, and they don't really have any respect for that being your opinion. I've dealt with that for about seven years. You know, people have this uh, this misinformed fucking ideology about me. I'll block anybody because my opinion is the only one that matters. No, that's not the case at all. That's not the case at all. It's never been the case. I block you because you're a fucking asshole. I would rather not have any hatred or bullshit on my timeline. Get out. Especially if people are making fun of me... And it, it could be anything. It's my car. It's my cats. It's my grandpa. It's this and it's always the same shit. You know? I said things about AEW last night that struck a chord, struck a nerve with a lot of people because they don't really want to embrace the truth. These are dishonest people listening to someone who is very honest about what he does here. And they get agitated and they get upset because it doesn't fit their narrative. No company's going to be perfect. AEW has never been perfect. The new narrative is now, oh, I'm just waiting to jump ship. I'm waiting to jump ship to WWE. I can't wait to get away from AEW. Now that WWE is hot and doing good, now I'm going to be a bandwagon fan. Do not listen to these people. Do not listen to these people. I'm not a bandwagon fan. Never was, never will be. I just want good professional wrestling on Monday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Friday. It's all I've ever wanted. I was never a bandwagon fan. I only did what I did with AEW because I've done it for seven plus years that I've been on this platform. Doing it to WWE. And rightfully 
So, with Vince McMahon being gone, the product feels rejuvenated. The product feels refreshed. It feels like the first day of spring. Spring has sprung in the world of pro wrestling. Now, it's time I give AEW some tough love. And I'm not talking specifically about the Moxley and CM Punk fiasco on Wednesday. I'm talking about everything that's kind of boiled over into some real tough love anger after last night's rampage. And what really kind of just tipped me over the edge was Malachi Black. And I get distraction roll-ups are going to be a thing and they're never, they're never going to end up going away. But Malachi Black being pinned by Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order did not sit well with me. I don't give a shit that Malachi Black was pinned. But I mean, in that situation, it's got to be anybody but Alex Reynolds, who realistically is a fucking jobber. Let's be real. Alex Reynolds pinning Malachi Black, it could have been fucking Preston Vance. Could have been the big guy. Could have been number 10. But it had to be Alex Reynolds, the guy that we've seen least of in the Dark Order in every aspect. I don't understand it. That just tipped me over, and that's what really got me going on last night's rant. There are a lot of things wrong with AEW. And it seems like all the excitement surrounding Tony Khan and him signing this one and that one and bringing in fucking fresh faces every fucking week, seemingly for the last three years. Seems like it's kind of catching up to him. Because now he's developed one hell of a roster. He's got one hell of a roster. I would say he's got a better roster than WWE does. But at the end of the day, it seems like all those roster additions are now catching up to him. And he can't seem to get everybody on television at the same time, which is going to anger some people and leave some people out. And then the creative side of things, the people that he is using on television, it isn't really all that engaging. It isn't really all that intriguing. It's not creative enough. To a point where I said after Supercard of Honor, you could go back and listen to my fucking podcast leading into that show when Ring of Honor was announced as purchased by Tony Khan. Is he going to end up wearing himself out? Is he going to end up spreading himself thin? He needs to get people in place where there is structure and a writing team and some creative. Doesn't seem like we're getting any of that. Seems like the fucking outlaw Western. Sounds like, it sounds like fucking chaos backstage. The outlaws are running the asylum backstage in AEW. People are saying what they want on promos. People are doing what they want on social media. Political bullshit that we discussed with Britt Baker. Thunder Rosa getting the fucking shaft time and time and time and time and time again. Which leads me into a whole different fucking discussion about the backstage politics. Talked about it on Thursday. Won't you show favoritism? It's very difficult to wipe that fucking out of the locker room, man. Once someone sees it, it's it. It's over. Thunder Rose has been feeling that favoritism 
for her entire title, uh, for her entire, entire title ring. She's been feeling it ever since she won the championship. For the duration of that reign, she's been treated like shit. I don't really get why people are upset at me that I'm giving Tony Khan and AEW some tough love. I did it with WWE. And look at how correct I was in every single sense of the word. Every little thing that I complained about for the last seven years ended up being justifiable complaints to a point now where Triple H is taking all of those complaints and changing them for the better. So who was doing their job? I was. You just refused to listen because it didn't fit your fucking narrative. I don't come on here and spew bullshit because it gets me views and clicks and blah, 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 blah. All the same fucking reticate. Ridiculous. I don't understand you people. Would you rather someone not be honest with you? Do you want to see AEW continue to sink lower and lower and lower and lower? I know I don't. Do you want to see WWE crush them like an ant? Maybe you do. I don't know why you would. Content creators are eating good. Pro wrestlers are making money. There's more pro wrestling to go around than than there is time to consume it all. I don't know why you would want one monopolized federation running the entire industry. It's not really healthy for the overall pro wrestling industry, which means to me you're not a fan of professional wrestling. I don't get you. AEW needs help. There are no narratives here. There is only truth. There are no narratives here. There is only honesty. If you don't expect me to go in on AEW when they do wrong like I did WWE, I need you to get the fuck out of here. I'm never, never biased with one company over the other. Never. Where that narrative got started, I don't fucking know. Blithering fucking retards is what they are. I never was biased with one company over the other. All it really boiled down to was that one company was putting on better television and more exciting television and a vision that we all wanted, professional wrestling, over the other, sports entertainment. And now Triple H is giving us professional wrestling. And when Triple H did professional wrestling in NXT for eight years, nine years, it was perfect. That's why people are now jumping ship to WWE and liking what they're doing more. I'm not going to go out on a limb like some of these fucking idiots and say Monday Night Raw and SmackDown is better than Dynamite. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. We're getting there. If you don't want to hear the truth of the heart of the matter, I don't know what to tell you. Continue to sulk in your mediocrity. Continue to sit there and fucking pretend like nothing's wrong. Continue to sit there and be an armchair fucking booker while Tony Khan doesn't realize you exist and are alive. Fuck off. He notices what I do here. He notices everything that goes on in the community, man. I'm one of the biggest social influencers in the fucking community. So when I say something, there's leverage when I say something It holds weight and substance. It's not a coincidence that we've said several things on this show and then they were actively put into change 
on AEW television. That's not by coincidence. It's because we know what the fuck we're doing here. I did it with WWE. They're, they're a little bit more against listening to the fucking IWC because they all think that we're a bunch of fucking animals and savages. But I've been saying it for seven years. As long as this podcast has been around. What needs to be changed? And now we're seeing those things get changed. We're seeing all that talent brought back and be given a new lease on life, a second chance. That's exactly what we're going to go over today. I'm not going to rant as much as I did last night. It's basically going to be more of the same in case you missed it. We're going to go over everything that I think is wrong with the AW product and what Tony Khan needs to do to fix it. It may be too late. Some of the things that he's already instituted on television, it may be too late. There may be no fix for some of the things that I mentioned. But if you want to bring your company and you want to bring AEW within striking distance of WWE and be on par with what Triple H is going to do, you're going to need to get on board and start listening to the fucking genuine people the genuine fucking fans that give a shit about what you're doing. You cannot do it all yourself. That is what brought Vince McMahon down. As far as I'm concerned, Tony Khan is going right down the same fucking path that made Vince McMahon show the worst wrestling show in the industry. You do not want to get to that point. The reason why Vince McMahon did what he did was because he was a maniacal fucking senile demented, micromanaging, 77-year-old has-been. We don't want Tony Khan to be that minus 40 years. We don't. I'm going to need Tony Khan to get on board and do everything that Vince McMahon did not do. You're going to need good people around you. You already have a solid nucleus around you. But if you're going to be there in the back and start creating political narratives and giving people political fucking agendas and favoritism is being shown more so with some of your favorites over everybody else and then people are going to cry about not being treated equal, it's going to create a terrible dynamic in the locker room. It really is. We've seen it. We heard it. We felt it with Vince McMahon. You do not want to go down that road. We're going to talk about all that today. Also, Triple H changing title designs. We're going to go over the Roman Reigns Sports Illustrated interview. And we're going to go over all the WWE and AEW news for the week right here on OTS. Man, I appreciate you guys joining me on a Saturday night. I know normally I'm here live Sunday, so we might not have the same type of audience that we do on a Sunday because everybody's more prone to go out on a Saturday night than a Sunday. But I got no choice, man. I got no choice. Tomorrow night, House of Glory live on Fight TV. I will be at Terminal 5 in New York City. We should have at least 1,200 plus in attendance. I'll be on the call. I'll be on commentary with Solomonster. Should be awesome. Shaping up to be one hell of a show, man. Jacob Fatu and Brody King for the House of Glory World Heavyweight Championship. And I mean heavyweight. Vacant title, a new champion for the first time in three years will be crowned. Low-key will go one-on-one with 
Bandito. It would have been Killer Cross, Carrion Cross, but obviously, for obvious reasons, that can't happen. But we got Bandito coming in, bro. And Bandito, normally, when he's around, he ends up wowing the audience anyway. The Briscoe Brothers will have a open challenge. House of Glory Tag Team title open challenge. Who the team is, I have no fucking clue. I genuinely don't have any idea. Could be anybody. Could be anybody. The Amazing Red versus Malachi Black. Brian XL, the mastermind of House of Glory, will go one-on-one with Buddy Matthews. We got a Matt Travis Memorial Battle Royal. Casey Navarro defends the six-way House of Glory Championship against the Mighty Monte. And a lot more on that show, man. Should be awesome. Fight TV is where you guys can order it and watch along live with me and the Solid Monster. It should be awesome. Go check out all the other content on the channel, man. We got plenty of content. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Loaded week. Loaded, loaded week, man. Everything you guys need is on the homepage right now. Go and check it out. Tonight's show is sponsored by DraftKings. You guys are going to go to DraftKings.com and enter that promo code JD from NY. And you're going to compete for a share of $10,000 for Clash at the Castle. Awesome stuff there. I'm going to need you guys to hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes is the minimum. Minimum! It is members only tonight, folks. Get them on in. You guys want to be a part of the chat? You can. Half off. 249 to sign up. Normally, it's 499 You guys want to become a channel member? It is now 50% off, I believe, until the end of August, man. You guys got three days left to take advantage of that. So if you've been thinking about doing it, now's the best time to do it. And get those Super Chats in. We will hang out at the end of the show, as always, with our cold beverages. I got one, and then I got one on reserve, man. So we got them. We got them. Let's get into the news, guys. We're going to start at the top. Survivor Series tickets are selling faster than previous shows in Boston's TD Garden. In fact, I believe it's already a sellout. Survivor Series tickets were released for pre-sale on August 24th, and they are absolutely gone, sold out. At the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Per WrestleTex, the tickets move so fast, with most of the seats being filled almost immediately before the company opened up more seats to the general public. Following the start of the pre-sale WWE, obviously, you know, they got Survivor Series all ready to go. Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer posted a tweet saying how this was the first time in quite some time that the WWE has sold out the building. Now, with pre-sale... The first time that they sold out for pre-sale, I find that hard to believe. But if anybody's a, a numbers guy or an analytic guy, it's Dave Meltzer. 
I know some want to deny this and compare years ago and TV ratings, but WWE right now is hot. Survivor Series tickets at Barclays are selling faster than any wrestling show in that building in a long time. He then deleted the tweet. He did a good old tweet and delete. He then later revised the tweet and said, Survivor Series in Boston sold out during the pre-sale today. Whatever is held back will sell out during the public on sale, which it did. I can't think of a WWE show in years to do that, which he revised it because he was wrong. Basically, this is why I said, kind of hard to believe that this was the first time in quite some time that WWE nearly sold out the building. Survivor Series, man, why did Survivor Series sell out? Why did Survivor Series sell out this year? Number one, WWE right now is riding a wave of momentum thanks to Paul Levesque. This is absolutely a Paul Levesque Triple H effect. I don't want to hear a single fucking word from anybody. Nobody gave a fucking flying shit about the Survivor Series last year. They couldn't give tickets away to the Survivor Series. And this year in Baltimore, where was Survivor Series last year? New York? Weren't they in Madison Square Garden for Survivor Series last year? Couldn't sell that fucker out, man. They had at least 2,000 to 3,000 tickets left over. Couldn't give them away. I wouldn't even take one if it was offered to me for free. Now they sold out this year in the TD Garden. Why? Why is this year of all years sold out for Survivor Series, which has been a dead concept for years? Survivor Series is a, is a very passe WWE premium live event. There really isn't anything there with a brand versus brand warfare. Nobody gives a shit about the Raw and SmackDown on Barclays. It was at Barclays. I'm sorry, I knew it was New York. I, I thought it was Madison Square Garden. Survivor Series was in Barclays last year. Even worse. WWE owns that fucking joint. They ran SummerSlam there four years in a row. Couldn't sell out Barclays Center last year. Dead concept. Nobody gives a shit about the Raw and SmackDown feud. Brand versus brand warfare. Ooh. Doesn't exist. WWE's beat that shit into the fucking ground so much that people regularly appear on the other show. Just this coming Monday. For Monday Night Raw, the go-home show for Clash of the Castle. Sami Zayn and the Usos are advertised to appear. They're SmackDown talent. So what difference does it make if it's Raw versus SmackDown? None. None. Not one iota of a difference does that make. They're not going there to watch Raw versus SmackDown. Maybe they were tipped off about something big happening at the show. I have no fucking idea. Is that where, where we'll see Bray Wyatt? Will The Fiend show back up? It's pretty heavy fucking speculation if Survivor Series sold out because the fans are tipped off that Bray Wyatt may be back in WWE around Survivor Series, which I don't believe to be the case. So what is it? What is it? It's one of two things. Number one, the Triple H effect. Number two, the potential for Survivor Series to change. And I said this immediately after I saw what Triple H was doing with this Monday night women's warfare. He's got Dakota Kai. He's got Bailey. He's got EO Sky on one side. He's got 
Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Alexa Bliss on the other. It's not all that difficult to add one to each side. It's not that difficult at all. Who's to say WWE doesn't change up the Survivor Series, which I do believe it needs to be changed up. It will be Raw and SmackDown, but I don't think it should be Raw versus SmackDown. And I'm sure we'll discuss this as the weeks go on, as we get closer to Survivor Series. Survivor Series needs to be traditional four-on-four or five-on-five matches between people on Raw and on SmackDown that have feuds that warrant a multi-man elimination match. It doesn't need to be Raw superstars versus SmackDown superstars. It doesn't need to be, you know, United States champion versus intercontinental champion. No. No, it does not. I don't understand why the Survivor Series hasn't undergone a change already. If you just stick within the confines of your own brand, Raw and Raw, SmackDown and SmackDown, elimination matches, four-on-four, five-on-five, whatever it may be, I think we will be fine. That's what needs to be done. And then you get the addition of really playing up the Survivor Series name. This is why I was such a big advocate for the Elimination Chamber to take place at the Survivor Series. I thought that was great. The whole Elimination Chamber is basically who is the last one to survive? Who's going to walk out the sole survivor? That's why I loved it being at the Survivor Series. And the first match was one of the best. Now we got nothing. Nothing even comes close to that. We got the Deadly Games Tournament that happened at Survivor Series. Things like that. Elimination Chamber. Deadly Games Tournament taking place at Survivor Series. Those events with those matches and those those Survivor-esque, you know, environmental matches and tournament, it really played up to being Survivor Series. Who's going to survive? an eight-man Deadly Games tournament, or an Elimination Chamber. What exactly is Survivor about Survivor Series? Nothing. WWE thought that they could get away with it by being lazy. And here I am for years saying, well, if you're going to do Raw versus SmackDown, at least develop some fucking animosity between both brands, which right now there is none because it's non-existent, and give those matches some fucking stakes. And I'm not talking about a nice fucking tomahawk. I'm talking about stakes. And we've gone over this. If you want to do Raw versus SmackDown, you're going to need to include stakes. The winner of the Survivor Series match between Raw and SmackDown, they get opportunity in a ladder match at TLC to become the number one contender for the WWE Championship or the Universal Championship. That is if they are split. And the WWE title goes back to Raw. You get to wrestle for an opportunity at the WWE or Universal title, whichever brand comes out victorious at Survivor Series. One of those five guys becomes the number one contender for either championship at the Royal Rumble. And it doesn't stop there. The remaining four guys, they get pick of the litter between number 21 and number 30 in the Royal Rumble. Now, that's something to fight for. Oh, yeah, you won Survivor Series. You get nothing. Or you won Survivor Series because of a brand fucking warfare 
That took place over the entire calendar year. Yeah, we'll give you an opportunity to allow a match, and we'll stop there. No. No. We're going to need something on the line for those matches to mean something. Whether it plays into the draft, maybe, maybe we get Survivor Series this year, being that the draft realistically isn't going to be taking place, according to reports. Maybe the Survivor Series plays into the fucking draft. Maybe, which if they do the brand versus brand thing, maybe whoever wins gets a fucking draft pick from NXT, and they are able to choose from, you know, pre-selected talent that is ready to get called up to the main roster. Who do they want on the fucking show? For example, if Tony D'Angelo, Carmelo Hayes, and Von Wagner are ready for the main roster, and Triple H picks those guys, deem them ready for the main roster. If SmackDown wins the Survivor Series, they get an opportunity to choose an NXT draft pick. And they're the only brand to do that because you can't be giving out NXT draft picks to everybody. Gotta have a meaning behind it. Who's to say that people aren't really getting excited for Survivor Series because they don't feel that, or they do feel rather, that there is change in the air in regards to how the event is going to be booked. All in all, all in all, WWE, like Meltzer says, is hot. They are hot. AEW is the opposite of hot. All Out is not sold out. I don't know what the fuck that has to do with anything. I don't know what that means. Is it Chicago burnout? Is it the fact that people are upset with AEW right now because of all the backstage hijinks? Are they upset creatively at Tony Khan? Are they not happy with the product that they're getting on TV? It may be, most of that may be Chicago burnout. How many fucking times do we have to go to Chicago and pay money to go see an event in Chicago? I don't get it. That's why I would have preferred All Out to be in a different city. It would have gotten me off my ass to actually go somewhere. I didn't want to go this year because I've been to Chicago for AEW more times than any other fucking city. Survivor Series is sold out. Triple H effect. At the end of the day, it's the Paul Levesque effect. WWE is backed away from TV 14. Now, we talked about this on Thursday. People still seem to be upset that WWE is not going TV 14. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe these people didn't watch how NXT operated. NXT was never TV 14. And they were the best fucking wrestling show on the fucking planet. Andrew Zarian reported back in July that USA Network was talking about Raw going TV 14. It was later reported that the move was still planned, but the email was sent out prematurely. Today, PW Insider reports that while there was smoke to this original report, the company will not be making the change with their TV rating. WWE Raw on USA and SmackDown on Fox will remain TV PG shows for the foreseeable future. So if you're hoping to see some storylines that cross the boundary of more adult-themed, like the Attitude Era. Don't bet on that happening anytime soon. We don't need TV 14. We don't. If you think we do, you're a fucking immature child. We don't need TV 14. We didn't need TV 14 under Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard because it would have went nowhere. They don't get TV 14. And Triple H is young enough to a point where he doesn't need TV 14 because he never needed it for NXT, and that's the vision, and that's the mentality he's bringing to the main roster. I don't need TV 14. I could push the boundaries as much as I want without needing to go there 
And I'm going to give everybody story-driven television. That's exactly what he did with NXT. I'm going to give people in-ring action. I'm going to give people competitive matches. I'm going to give people a dose of realism. He doesn't need TV 14 to do that. You know, a lot of people think that AEW television is, oh my God, yeah, yeah they're, they're saying bitch and asshole and they're doing this and that and this and that. Shit, blood, barbed wire, and all this other shit. Great. You're not going to see that on WWE television. That's why AEW was all, all, always the alternative. WWE doesn't need to do that. AEW, I think, does it too much. How many times can you say the word asshole? How many people on the same show could say the word asshole or bullshit or shit or pussy? You need to save it for those real rare occasions when it is necessary to use that type of language. You're going to use that type of language to get across storyline when it really matters and when it really counts. If everybody uses it, then the nature of that language doesn't really resonate. I should take my own fucking advice. I say the F-bomb every fucking time. I just did it twice in the same in the same sentence. Now, I said it twice in a span of five seconds. But that's just who I am. That's what I do. That's the show. Born and raised in the Bronx. The fuck do you want me to do? Normally, I don't curse in my real life. I don't. I don't well, not, not the way I do on this show, but... I mean, it's part of everyday language. You know, a little bit more amped up when I'm when I'm angry. But you guys get what I'm saying. AEW doesn't need to use that type of language every fucking week. It doesn't. They don't need blood every week. Blood should be for pay-per-views or big feuds. Triple H was never about that. Just watch NXT Black and Gold. He was never about that. We don't need TV 14. And I'm glad that they're moving away from TV 14. Because the people who think they need TV 14 are the fucking dummies out there that think TV 14 is going to equal better television. Triple H is giving you better television. He has been giving you better television over the last five weeks. Open your eyes. You don't need it. And all that shit, we said this on Thursday, should be saved for premium live events to give those a little bit more of a must-see feel. Something that you might not get on the weekly television show, you're going to get on the special events. Road Dog. Oh, you didn't know. Road Dog is back in WWE. Takes over for Jeff Jarrett as Senior Vice President of WWE Live Events. Now, Road Dog is back in WWE. Obviously, he's very good friends with Paul Levesque, so this is not surprising whatsoever. I'll come back to that in a second. He was backstage at Monday Night Raw, and he has started his job right away. Good. Happy for Road Dog. I watched that DX documentary on A&E, and I really felt like it was sad when it came to, you know, guys like X-Pac, and he's doing well, and X-Pac looks great, but obviously they are looking back at the mistakes that they made, and they're very, they're very upset about how they acted, and they wish they could go back and change it, but it was all a part of the gimmick and all a part of the times, and... It is what it is. People make mistakes and people go through it and they go through phases and they clean up their life. I felt more bad for Road Dog than I think anybody else because Shawn Michaels is in charge of NXT Europe. He's been a huge part of NXT, black and gold. Same thing with Triple H. And X-Pac hasn't really done much of anything. 
And Road Dog, I feel bad for him because they fired him and they documented what him and Billy did after the, the WWE run. And then he got brought back and then fired again and now brought back. You look at him and you, you listen to the way he, he speaks and it's just, you, you feel bad for him. And the only reason why Road Dog got fired in the first place was because he was friends with Paul Levesque. There's no doubt in my mind that the reason why Road Dog was fired in the first place this past time was because he was a part of Triple H's team. And that goes to show you that what I said about that, I was 100% factually correct. Everybody that was under Triple H's learning tree, everybody that was on Triple H's team, they got cut because they were on Triple H's team. They wanted nothing of the Paul Levesque stench there. They wanted to wipe it all clean. They wanted all their own people in there. They didn't want nobody from that administration doing what they did with the new administration because the visions are different. That's why Road Dog got fired. Should have never been fired. What could have Road Dog possibly done to get himself fired? That man, I'm sure, has a lot to teach a lot of different people. He's back, and Russell Votes added that Road Dog will take over as the senior vice president of live events, a position that was previously held by Jeff Jarrett, who recently exited the company. Road Dog is back in the saddle in WWE, and he's not alone. His podcast partner could be joining him. Reports came out that WWE had interest in bringing back Ryan Katz into the fold. Ryan Katz was let go in January of this year and was an integral part of creative for NXT for almost seven years. Ryan Katz worked directly with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, William Regal, and Road Dogg on NXT Black and Gold. Why was Ryan Katz fired? He was fired for the same reason that Road Dogg was fired. We have no use for you because you're Paul Levesque. We have our own riders that are in the know with what Vince wants. Sorry, Mr. Katz, you don't fit that description. That's why Ryan Katz was fired. Ryan Katz, after he got let go by WWE, same thing with Road Dogg, they started their own podcast together. So he was with NXT for almost seven years. You can imagine what that man has been a part of in NXT and what he is capable of doing if he was brought back into the fold. Fightful heard that Katz is expected back if he isn't already and had remained close with several in NXT. There were some rumors last month that he could already be back in the fold, but if not, the interest was already there on WWE's end. If they brought Road Dogg back, you better believe that they brought Ryan Katz back it may not be reported, but I do believe if I had a hunch, if I'm gonna go, if I'm gonna go out there on a limb and say something, I'm gonna say Ryan Katz is already back in NXT. Well, wherever Triple H feels like his influence and impact will be felt the most, which could be NXT, which I hope it is, because I hope to God that they get Bruce Pritchard far away from that fucking Tuesday night show as humanly possible. In addition. Katz appeared in Wrestling Society X as Fabian Caitlin and in TNA as Minion. He also did motion picture or motion capture, I should say, for several WWE vs. SmackDown games. WWE Raw vs. SmackDown games appeared as a Rosebud 
showed up in the Vaude Villains Titantron video and was a part of Kane and Daniel Bryan's anger management skits. So clearly he's got the mentality, he's got the character of somebody wearing multiple hats. He could do anything you want him to. If I'm going out on a limb, I'm going to say that Ryan Katz is already back in WWE. And that, to me, is a beautiful thing. Somebody that was directly responsible for black and gold working alongside Triple H. You don't think Triple H wants him back? You don't think Triple H needs somebody like that who understands the talents in NXT? You don't think Triple H wants somebody that he can trust when he's not there? Ryan Katz. Why Road Dog and Ryan Katz were back, or are brought back, and they're the reason why, um, Triple H, rather, is the reason why they got fired in the first place. But now that Triple H is back and holds power, he brought back those that were done dirty because of the pettiness of the former administration. Bruce Pritchard! We got news on Bruce. This is one of two stories. Is Bruce Pritchard expected to leave WWE soon? I certainly hope so. I tell you, man, I'm throwing a fucking, I'm throwing a party when Vince is fired. Somebody reached out to me and said, uh, JD, go listen to last week's Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard. I think he's talking about you indirectly. I hope he is. I hope he is. Fuck Bruce Pritchard. I can't stand the motherfucker. He wants to act all fucking Mr. Nice Guy now because Triple H is in charge. He's only acting Mr. Nice Guy because he's afraid of his fucking job. Triple H already has been made out to be the savior of WWE. I mean, it's not that difficult to see. We do it here. He hasn't even gotten started yet. Changes are being made both to WWE on and off screen. Also backstage. The most notable backstage change happened in recent days with Road Dog taking over for Jeff Jarrett. And the reason why Jeff Jarrett was let go was because of Jeff Jarrett being a Bruce Prichard hire. Jeff Jarrett was a Bruce Prichard, Vince McMahon hire. Gone. Goodbye. You're the old administration. I don't want you here. Get out. Not like Jeff Jarrett really gave a shit about that. Maybe he figures he's still got one more run left in him and he's going to go and wrestle. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what's going through Jeff Jarrett's mind? Maybe he thought that he was so praised in what he did with the Ric Flair last match thing that he figures maybe I still got some left in me. Going to go out there and see what I could do. The changes are likely to continue and there is a lot of speculation about the future of Bruce Pritchard. Well, many people, including WWE's own wrestlers, see as a Vince McMahon guy. Oh, man, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. In today's Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer wrote, and I quote, This will lead to questions about Pritchard in his spot, and time will tell. Pritchard is a guy who gets that his job is to service his boss. Talent thinks he's a Vince McMahon guy with more of an idea of the entertainment side and that Levesque is more wrestling. But I think Pritchard will service whatever vision Levesque wants. Nobody expects a lot of changes in a hurry, 
But they do expect changes as Levesque will more and more bring in his own guys. Bruce is only there. Right now, I'm telling you right now, you could fucking quote me on this. Mark this down. The only reason why Bruce is there is to make sure in front, because he holds political power in the company. Bruce Pritchard is one of Vince McMahon's trusted soldiers. You can't get rid of somebody like that almost immediately. Then the whole idea about, oh, well, well, Triple H, I mean, it's going to cause a little confusion. Is he coming on in here to make the show better? Is he coming on in here to really just fucking, you know, treat this as his own public playground? No. Bruce Pritchard is only there, is still there right now because it gives Triple H stability with the shareholders. That is the only reason why he's there. Triple H doesn't want him there. Stephanie McMahon, God fucking help us, doesn't want her want him there. She doesn't want him there either. The wrestlers, the locker room, doesn't even want him there. I cannot wait for Triple H to banish this fucking slob back to Conrad Thompson. Everything that he did, everything that he did was to benefit himself. That was it. The only thing he was good at was sucking Vince McMahon's dick. That's the only thing he was good at. Now he's doing it to Triple H, but now it's too little too late. Triple H doesn't need his dick sucked by Bruce Prichard. Give me a break. Triple H is going to do what he needs to do to make sure that there's stability there. This is why you heard in the last week or so, Triple H, right, he's now in charge, and all of a sudden you hear Bruce Prichard say, oh, I never wrote an NXT show. Really? Didn't stop him from going there with Vince McMahon and Nick Khan and fucking slurring the goddamn farm. Didn't stop him from fucking having Braun Breaker go out there and break black and gold in his ring, ring entrance, not once but twice. Who idea was that? Whose idea was that, Bruce? Was it Shawn Michaels? Yeah, right. Sure thing. I never wrote one. And we'll get to that story in a, in a little bit. I never wrote one NXT show. He says, I love NXT. Of course you love NXT. Because it's Triple H's baby. Who's in charge now? Paul Levesque is in charge. So of course you're going to love NXT. You fucking four-eyed slob. You should love Jenny Craig the, the way you love fucking NXT. Jesus fucking Christ. Never heard such bullshit in my entire life. Get him out. As soon as he's gone, I'll be live. Whether it's for five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, we'll just sit here and drink a cold beverage and fucking relish in the fact that Bruce Pritchard's gone. Changing of the guard expected to continue under Triple H. Since Triple H took over, WWE's creative team, his influence has been very obvious with several released stars returning to the company. And now it looks like a number of changes will be happening backstage as well. According to Dave Meltzer, this week in The Observer, we can expect to see something of a changing of the guard backstage in WWE. Meltzer says, and I quote, Bruce Prichard brought Jeff Jarrett in. Boom. There you go. You want to know why Jeff Jarrett was replaced by Road Dog? Because Bruce Prichard's still there, and it's almost like he's playing fucking 
you know, with Bruce Pritchard's feelings, man. It's almost as if he's, like, fucking encroaching on Bruce Pritchard. It's like he's walking him to the gallows. Really. And Bruce Pritchard knows that he's going to sit there with his lifeless fucking corpse waiting for the fucking hammer to drop and his head is cut off and everybody in the town celebrates. Jeff Jarrett was a Bruce Pritchard hire. So with Bruce Pritchard there, Triple H getting rid of Jeff Jarrett and replacing him with Road Dog, you want statement that is a huge, that may be the biggest statement of all that we've seen so far. Convinced Vince McMahon to hire him for senior vice president of live events. There you go. And Vince is no longer in charge, and Road Dog is now on Triple H's team. He was a part of Triple H's team, so he hired him back weeks after Brian James was mad at Tony Khan for not hiring him. Jarrett's department, which was house shows, have greatly increased. So it's like, man, your department went way, way up, and you got the boot, but that's just the nature of the beast. I think a lot of people who are not Paul Levesque people are probably feeling a bit nervous. <laughs> Bruce. And it's going to be changing of the guard. It's just how it's going to be. It's always going to be that way. Meltzer didn't mention who else could be brought in or perhaps could be leaving WWE, but it may be nervous for several backstage for a few weeks because Vince McMahon's old favorites may be dropping like flies. Get him out! Like I said, when the news drops, we'll be live for about 15 minutes. I'll make an old-fashioned live on air, and we'll just celebrate in the venue. Triple H is reportedly making several WWE belt design changes. One of these things that has been requested across the board is for WWE to change title belts. We may be getting that. The Twitter account, at BeltFanDan, reported on Twitter, the rumor mill says Triple H is making numerous belt design changes. He would know. That's his industry. That's his forte. Whoever Triple H is getting to make these belts, obviously the word has gotten around that Triple H wants to or has already started making numerous belt design changes. Now, Dan himself is a prominent belt maker for wrestling companies, and collector and has broken belt-related news in the past. No word on which titles may get a redesign. WWE is set to crown women's tag team champions next week on Monday Night Raw between Dakota Kai and Io Sky versus Aaliyah and <laughs> Raquel, smiley Raquel Rodriguez Gonzalez. You know, she's got to be smiling on Friday and now on Monday. God help us. So we may get new women's tag team titles, for all we know. WWE's put a big focus, Triple H, I said, put a big focus on the United States title and intercontinental title in recent weeks. We may get title designs of that as well, even though I think the IC title is actually pretty sweet. The U.S. title definitely needs a revamp, no doubt about it. I would change. What I would do is... Now, I was actually pretty wrong in this, which I'm not afraid to admit. And I know a lot of people said the same thing that I did, but 
it was obvious that WWE was never going to change the title of belts because, hey, Vince and Bruce didn't give a shit about them. So what the fuck do they care what they look like? And B, WWE loves that WWE branded logo right on the belt, right? You got that big WWE logo plastered on the red belt, on the blue belt, on the fucking WWE title with the black strap. They love it. Now, if I'm Triple H, and if we know Triple H, Triple H is knee-deep in the old school. Triple H loves the old school. Triple H loves the aspect of professional wrestling. Do these titles give you professional wrestling in feel and in prestige? No. No, they don't. There's nothing about the WWE title that is prestigious by the way it looks. WWE can't even book it correctly. And the way that it looks only makes it look and feel worse. Same thing with the Universal title. Oh my God, it's red because it's on Raw. Oh my God, it's on SmackDown. We need to make it blue. Lame. Lame. If you're going to have two brands and you want to differentiate them from each other and you're going to stick with this fucking brand warfare, brand split bullshit, which I think should go away, should have gone away many, 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 many months ago, you're going to want two brands with two obviously different championships. If I'm a champion, and this is just me speaking out loud to you guys. If I'm a champion and I'm the WWE champion on Monday Night Raw and I look at the Universal Champion, I'm saying, what makes his belt better than mine when it's the same fucking title? Why does he have a blue title and I have a black title? I should be the WWE Champion. I should have a belt that stands out on its own to signify I'm a WWE Champion. You look like a fucking dumbass carrying around a big W that holds no value whatsoever and looks like every other fucking title in the company. The women's titles look the same. The tag team titles need a revamp. You got your men's major titles and your women's major titles all looking exactly the same. White straps with red and blue signifying Raw and SmackDown. I don't like that. If I'm a champion on one show and I got to see the other guy on the other show holding a championship, and I got to see us holding the same belts, why do I want to look like him, and why do I want to feel like him? I want to have my own belt that signifies I'm a fucking champion on my show, not a champion on his show. He's got the same fucking title as I do. Triple H is going to change a lot. What I do think we start with is the WWE title. WWE title... We need the women's titles to be changed. We need the tag team titles to be changed. Undoubtedly, you, all of them, just change them all. Get rid of them all. Get rid of them all. I'm not saying you even got to go back to, you know, obviously I love the Wing Eagle. I'm not even saying you got to go back to the Wing Eagle, but you want a 2022 updated design that fits this era? Make the Wing Eagle the centerpiece. Seriously. But update it for 2022. I said it on Twitter, you know, bring back the wing eagle belt. Leave that in its generation. Leave that for that era. But take that, take the essence of it, and update it for what we have now in 2022. Because I'm telling you right now, when Cody Rhodes wins that fucking title, he's not winning the fucking big W title. He's not winning the black title with the uh, the black strap title with the big W on it, with all the fucking uh, cubic zirconias on it. No. Now, Cody Rhodes is not winning that title. Cody Rhodes is coming back to win the WWE Championship, the Winged Eagle. 
And I wonder, now that I mention it, how much Cody Rhodes is having a say and an influence on Triple H making title de- title design changes. Maybe he whispered, yo, uh, yo, Paul, we should, uh, we need to go back and make these titles look like wrestling championships again instead of fucking props because your father-in-law is a complete psychopath. Get rid of them all. Get them out. The only one that I would keep is the Intercontinental title. Everything else needs a complete overhaul. Johnny Gargano. He returned on Monday Night Raw. He goes in line with Dexter Loomis, Hit Row, Karrion Cross, Dakota Kai, EO, Sky. All talents brought back or brought up from NXT. WWE has discussed various names about bringing back certain talent. Now, while speaking with the latest podcast that he had on The Observer, Andrew Zarian reported on We're Live, pal! We're live, pal! Zarian reported that he has heard that Jonah, formerly known as Bronson Reed in WWE, is a name that has been brought up about the company bringing back. I wonder who brought his name up. I wonder who brought his name up. Zarian says, and I quote, I've heard one name over the last few weeks, and that name is Jonah. Great G1 he had. I talked to a friend over there casually in Connecticut. He's a name. Bronson Reed got the shit end of the stick with his positioning. He's very good. He has the size. He had this awesome entrance with the background. I don't know him at all personally. I don't know if anything behind the scenes that has happened, anything beyond that, but I can tell you that there are people very interested in him because of his talent, his performance in the G1 as well. He's a name that people are interested in. I don't know what his deal is, but he has come up as a name that I have heard, end quote. Jonah was among the wrestlers to be released by WWE last summer. His release came as a surprise as he had been pushed as a regular in NXT and worked dark matches on the main roster with the expectation that he would be called up prior to his departure. He was the former North American champion. Triple H believed in him so much that he put Jonah Bronson Reed over Johnny Gargano. That's how much Triple H believed in Bronson Reed. Bronson Reed was a Triple H pet project. That was one of the releases that was so mind-numbingly dumb that when it happened, I said it then and I'm going to say it now. That is a release that Triple H probably looked at and fucking wanted to pull every gray strand of his fucking beard off of his face. That was one of the main moves, one of the releases that hurt the most because he then saw everything that he was doing just completely being wiped away. And I don't want to hear the the narrative, uh, you know, so I don't know who said it. It was reported somewhere. It may have been Triple H himself or whatever. You know, we all sit down as management and we go over the names and, you know, unfortunately we had to come to a decision that he was released. Triple H had nothing to do about Bronson Reed being released. Nothing. That was all Vince, that was all Bruce, and that was all Nick Khan. The death of Bronson Reed, the nail in the coffin of Bronson Reed was when he lost the North American title and they got called up to work dark matches on SmackDown 
for two weeks. And then Bruce Pritchard, you know, because Bruce Pritchard really should be looking at somebody and evaluating the way that they look when he himself looks like he should be on a fucking treadmill for about four hours every fucking day. Yeah, he's the one guy that you really want claiming, oh yeah, we can't keep this guy on the roster. It doesn't fit us because he doesn't look the way we want him to. I'm sorry. What? Bruce Pritchard firing somebody over his weight and appearance? Please tell me I'm dreaming. Give me a fucking break. That was the nail in the coffin for Bronson Reed. We're up two matches. They tried to get past it the first time. They couldn't get past it the second time. Goodbye. Gone. Gone. Meanwhile, this guy is Samoan. He's Samoan. He had every fucking feature you wanted. He had every look and aspect you wanted. Big man that could move. Big man that could fly. Big man that could wrestle. All he needed to do was work on his promo ability. And I had the pleasure and honor of calling that man's match against Jacob Fatu, which you guys haven't seen yet. And that man was one of the one guys I went to House of Glory Management with and said, we got to put this guy over. We should get him here immediately. An untapped talent is Bronson Reed. So if he's brought back, you're going to see a huge fucking smile on my face because he never should have been let go in the fucking first place. And if I am Triple H, I'm looking at him. I don't know how long he signed with New Japan. It can't be long. I don't know what he signed over there. Six months, a year maybe. I I have no fucking idea. But if he is available, you can guarantee he will be brought back back within this year or early next year. Give it another another couple of, I would say, let's get through the, the third or fourth quarter of this year. And let's get through Royal Rumble. We may see him by the time Royal Rumble hits or maybe going into WrestleMania season. He will be brought back for sure. Another ex-WWE star that could be brought back. I'm not saying that he's going to be, you know, a lock like Bronson Reed. Velveteen Dream. He has now started to become active on social media. And he posted on Instagram that he has a story to tell. Former NXT star Patrick Clark, a.k.a. the Velveteen Dream, is back on social media and appears that he will be addressing some things soon. On his Instagram page, Patrick Clark posted some black and white photos with the following, and it said, and I quote, I know there is a heaven. I is spelled E-Y-E, not just the letter I. I know there is no he- there is a heaven. I know there is a hell. Listen to me, people. I've got a story to tell. Now, I don't know what this means or what he's insinuating or what he's doing on social media. In 2020, Clark was accused of having inappropriate contact with a minor. In May 2021, Clark said the allegations derailed his career, which they did. It was later reported that there were other reasons why he was released. Brian Alvarez said the following on an episode of Wrestling Observer Live last year in regards to the Velveteen Dream being fired. It had nothing to do with the allegations. WWE ran an investigation and they found that nothing 
was really concrete in the allegations, and the investigation proved nothing. It was wiped clean. Patrick Clark was wiped clean. The investigation went nowhere. He got fired for other reasons and backstage behavior. Forget all the accusations because I don't know what happened. I believe that WWE believes that he was innocent because otherwise, I believe they would have gotten rid of the guy very quickly. I don't know what happened. I know nothing. All I know is about everything that everybody else knew about related to the Velveteen Dream. The thing that I heard over and over again besides the fact that he kept disappearing was that there were car accidents and that's never good. I don't really know what happened there, but it was a regular occurrence. The thing that I heard about Velveteen was that he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and had nothing to do with the accusations. What I heard over and over was that this guy, when he talks about his Velveteen Dream character and he talks about blending it with his real life, I heard about the Velveteen Dream in the same way as Shawn Michaels becoming the HBK character in real life. End quote. If there's one guy that I'm more disappointed with than anybody, it's Patrick Clark. I was such a huge fucking fan of Patrick Clark. The Velveteen Dream character was NXT. I mean, you want to look at NXT and you want to look at some of the most memorable things in NXT. One of the, one of the things that stand out to me most is Velveteen Dream. If I had the opportunity to tell him in person how, how much of a disappointment I think he was to all of us, I would. Do I want to see him back in the WWE? I don't know. I don't know. If the man is cleared on all charges, why not? You know, Enzo Amore still has this stigma surrounding him that he's some fucking womanizer and some woman abuser and a rapist. Meanwhile, he got cleared of all the charges. He's living his life and he's clean and he's much more mature now and he's doing his own thing. A lot of people still think that Enzo Amore is all those things that WWE fired him over and all those things that social media thought that he was because social media said so and the social media fucking police said so. Enzo Amore was cleared of all the charges. Enzo Amore got fired because some fucking bitch wanted to speak up with no evidence backing her and got him arrested and fired from his job. And that's not right. Who's to say the same thing that happened to Velveteen Dream? Social media is a platform for people to speak freely with basically nothing of any sort of evidence to back their statements or what they're claiming. Nothing. Velveteen Dream, I'm not sitting here saying that he's innocent. I've seen all the pictures and the tweets and the fucking screenshots from the other parties that said that they were in contact with Velveteen Dream and all the things that he did and said. But it's easy to doctor a tweet. People doctor tweets all the time. People doctor tweet about, tweets about me. I've seen a tweet about Sean Ross Sapp. A very, very crude and absolutely deplorable joke. Supposedly from Sapp that was doctored up and faked. Something about a 13-year-old girl. I've seen it yesterday. This is how sick people are. For whatever reason, vendetta, spinning their own narrative, you don't like them for whatever reason. 
People are allowed to get away with shit on social media that they are not allowed to get away with in real life. And the shit that we saw, none of us know. None of us know. You're taking one guy's side because you've seen something, you've seen it on social media, it must be true, and you're not listening to Patrick Clark's side. You automatically demonized him as a pedophile. You cast him out as if he's not allowed in this spectrum anymore. He's not allowed to walk amongst us as as human beings anymore. Why? Because you've seen it on social media? Give me a fucking break. If Patrick Clark was to come back to the WWE, how many people would be thrown into a fucking tizzy fit? How many of you people would be upset that Patrick Clark is back in the WWE? Why would you be upset if the WWE came out and said that an investigation was launched and nothing was found? So you got a problem with Patrick Clark, you got a problem with the WWE. If they launch an investigation and nothing is found, what is the fucking problem? You're going to go believe something on social media because you've seen it from fucking Twitter. But if WWE is launching an investigation with professionals who are hired to do this because they have professional background in this thing, this is their livelihood, it's what they're paid to do, you're going to still deem Patrick Clark guilty because Twitter. Will he work anywhere else? No. No, he won't. Just because it's a bad PR move. He's finished. But if he came back to WWE, would it be, would it be that bad? Would people welcome him back? Yeah, time heals all wounds. Time heals all wounds. People have done things and still ended up back on WWE programming. The Ultimate Warrior went on a fucking homophobic rant. You know the type of person Ultimate Warrior was. They allowed him back on WWE television and everybody pretended like nothing that he said in his past was a fucking problem. They allowed this guy back into their homes. They allowed this guy into the Hall of Fame. They allowed this guy on TV and then he croaked the next day. And now he's heralded as a fucking hero and now he's got the Warrior Award named after him at the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony. So what's the big deal? Patrick Clark was fucking cleared of charges and is brought back to WWE television. It wasn't even the reason that they fired him. They fired him because he's a fucking diva. Who's to say that they didn't fire him to let him cool off and it took three years to get him back to a mature stage? He's now ready for the big time. Take three years off. Go do what you got to do. The guy was a menace. Drunk driving. He was drunk driving and he was fucking depressed because his career was being fucking slowly taken from him. Watch somebody spin this and twist this narrative that I'm fucking for Velveteen Dream and I'm for pedophiles. You know it's coming. But did I say anything here that's wrong? Or out of line? No. I feel terrible for Enzo Amore. I do. You don't think I'd like to see him back in the WWE? What if he comes back? Oh, he's a womanizer. Oh, he's a rapist. Fuck out of here. Such a bullshit fucking narrative. Now, I don't know if he's coming back or not, but 
Maybe he's teasing something. Maybe he's teasing joining the WWE again. I don't know why he would post under his Instagram page when he's not the Velveteen Dream anymore. He's speaking like he's the Velveteen Dream. That Instagram story was as if he was channeling Dream once again. So we'll see. If he does end up coming back to the WWE, I'd like to see him. He was a main event guy ready to break out. And like I said, if WWE launched an investigation, I don't know what the big fucking problem is. If they deemed him okay and good to go, then it's good to go. But at the end of the day, he may be a PR headache. And they don't want that shit. Because you know how people are. Can't get over something, even though you tell them a thousand fucking times over and over again, this is the way it is. They're still going to believe what they want to believe because they've seen it on Twitter. WWE staff announcers, very happy with recent changes. Site a fun backstage environment. For years, people had the feeling of working for WWE is like walking on eggshells. Everywhere you go, with Vince McMahon running things in the old administration. Since his resignation and Triple H taking over the company as head of creative and Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan, now co-CEOs, positive reports have been coming out of the company in all aspects. PW Insider reports that the old feeling in the company has quickly faded away, replaced instead with renewed hope and pride for those working for the company. One department where the change has been described as massively changed, it's like night and day. And it's the production side of things, as the new regime is different from how Vince handled things. It was said that there isn't anyone yelling at the production truck or the announcers anymore. It's been well documented that McMahon was still extremely heavy-handed verbally with the production of his programming. McFoley famously quit being the SmackDown commentator because he didn't like being yelled at by McMahon through his headset. And he's documented that quite some time. It was said that Mondays and Fridays are no longer seen as the worst days of the job because, you know, the WWE's production side of things has made things a lot easier. Instead, the department has started to settle down into a situation where everyone isn't walking in and out expecting some sort of PTSD to follow them home the next day after Raw and SmackDown. PW Insider's report continued by noting that the entire production department, announcers, cameramen, producers, directors, etc., has been extremely happy over the last few weeks. One source said it allowed to feel like it's fun to work there. This has led to a better flow and engagement across the board and more camaraderie in the department. Those looking to leave the company a few months ago have reconsidered that decision because of how happy they are and how they hope the new regime current honeymoon feeling remains. It's not only with that, I'm assuming the locker room feels a lot better as well. That locker room is probably jumping for joy, man. There were a lot of talent there that probably was thinking along the line of, I'm going to be out of here in about six months because I'm going to be cut. And those talents, I don't need to tell you who they are. You saw the writing on the wall. You saw the writing on the wall. You saw when WWE used them and then all of a sudden they would go away for a very long time. That's just Vince McMahon telling you without telling him, telling you himself that he's bored. And the reason why he wasn't using certain talent was because he was getting bored of them. This is a great thing. And this is why people are all pro-WWE as of late. 
And you see it. You feel it. We've documented this over the past five or six weeks already. The announcers feel different. Pat McAfee is a little bit more, I, I, you know, he's always been that way, but he's a little bit more freer on commentary. He's always been a little bit more free with Michael Cole. Michael Cole is having a fucking blast out there. Michael Cole had one of his best performances in all of his career at SummerSlam. Corey Graves has even alluded to some of the things that, you know, were in the old administration. Oh, we're allowed to say that now, he says. Kind of making one-handed comments. Off-handed comments, I should say, about some of the things that he was not allowed to say before, and now he's allowed to say it. You see it all across television. The camera angles, I don't know, I haven't really been paying attention to that, because I think we're just so fucking prone and used to that. The camera angles and the fucking multi-camera cuts, it looks like they've died down a little bit. Triple H is not yelling into the commentary set for the commentators to say keywords and fucking push narratives. Words that were banned by Vince McMahon are now allowed by Triple H. Hospitals being said, belt, things of those nature. Love it. This is exactly what we wanted. And this is all going to be a trickle-down effect. You know, the production side of things, the backstage environment, you know, the last thing, the one thing in this news article that really got me is those looking to leave the company a few months ago reconsidered that decision because of how happy things feel. That obviously means talent as well. If you are a talent that got let go, you're probably on the phone with Triple H. Do you need anybody else? If you're a Sasha Banks and Naomi who walked out because of the way Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard were running things and the sexism was running rampant by John Laurinaitis backstage, you threw your WWE Women's titles on his desk to walk out and you were on your way out of the company. You had your lawyers come up with a fucking legal document getting you out of the company. As soon as Triple H took over, you went to your lawyer and said, well, let's hold up on this. Keep this on the desk for now. Let me talk to him and see what's going on. I think I may want to reconsider. So not only is it the production side of things, the cameramen, the producers, the commentary, but it's also talent like Sasha Banks and Naomi, talent like Johnny Gargano, talent like Karrion Cross, talent like Bronson Reed, who's going to end up coming back to the WWE and has already come back to the WWE. This is just not in a backstage environment. This is going to be a trickle-down effect, and it's going to last as long as Triple H continues to do a good job, which I'm pretty confident he will. And this is what I deem the Triple H effect. The Triple H effect is real, just like the AEW effect was real. We're going to talk about Roman Reigns. He comments on his WWE contract, talks about The Rock and a possible WrestleMania match, Vince McMahon retiring. Triple H's first weeks on the job and why he missed money in the bank. We're going to go over that in just a second. I want to check in on the chat. We got 2,400 people in here. Thank you guys very much. Members only tonight, guys. If you guys want to get in on the chat, we got four new members tonight. I appreciate y'all very much. If you guys want to get in on that and are thinking about joining the VIP club, all you got to do is hit that join button. It is still 50% off. 249 is now the price instead of $4.99. So if you want to get in on that, you got three days to take advantage of that, and then it's going back to full price. So hit that join button and become a channel member right here on Off the Script on YouTube. 
Get those super chats in. We're going to hang out at the end of the show. Hit that like button. We got 60 more likes for 1,000 minimum. And then we can start talking about the new minimum. But get those thumbs up in. It helps me out tremendously. And tonight's show is sponsored by DraftKings. Going to shoot it to a DraftKings ad. Make sure you guys go to DraftKings.com. You can win a share of the prize of $10,000 by guessing the correct answers in regards to Clash at the Castle. Make sure you guys use promo code JD from NY. I'll be right back. We're going to continue off the script right after this short break, right here with episode 442. WWE is going down this weekend in the land of afternoon tea with the Queen. To celebrate this historic event, DraftKings, an official gaming partner of WWE, is putting you in the center of the action with a share of $10,000 up for grabs this weekend. You guys know better than anybody I'm going to get you ready for Clash at the Castle, so much so that we'll be sitting right next to the Queen having that afternoon tea. It is very simple, guys. You're going to download the DraftKings app. You're going to use the promo code JD from NY, and you're going to enter to win $10,000. You're going to answer questions like, who is going to make a surprise appearance? Who's going to win that big, undisputed WWE Universal Championship match between Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns in the main event? Will Austin Theory cash in his money in the bank contract? You're going to answer all those questions, and the customers with the most correct answers will win their share of $10,000. Download the DraftKings app now and use that promo code JD from NY to enter the free. WWE Predictions Challenge for Clash of the Castle with $10,000 up for grabs. So use that promo code JD from NY now and enter the free $10,000 contest only at DraftKings, an official gaming partner of WWE. Once again, thank you to DraftKings.com for once again sponsoring the podcast right here on OTS. Let's continue the podcast, guys. We got news on Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns finally speaks up, talks about his WWE contract, The Rock and WrestleMania, Vince McMahon, and Triple H's first few weeks on the job. He was interviewed by Sports Illustrated. And Roman Reigns says this in regards to his new WWE contract with World Wrestling Entertainment. How many years it was for and working a lighter schedule. I really don't like to get into the specifics, especially like there's timelines. There's different ways to play with these things. I think the main thing is when you've been on the road for almost 10 years straight and someone who has been at the highest level, the main event level, I ran a full schedule for a long time. Even before we went to Fox, it changed to where it was SmackDown on Friday. Then we did two live events Saturday, Sunday. Then there was the occasional Monday Night Raw. So that's a four-night schedule, which still isn't as bad as what it used to be. I mean, we used to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday live events, Monday Night Raw. Then we would tape SmackDown on Tuesday. So we were only getting a day and a half because we flew out. And this is before private travel, buses, and all that stuff. So we would fly out Wednesday morning, get home. So you have half of Wednesday, you get home and you're beat, you're tired. You got half of that Wednesday. Then you have your Thursday to try to just handle personal life and family and everything that comes with that. 
And then you're back out on Friday. So for me, it was really just trying to balance everything. And someone who has five children, we're in a very critical portion of their lives where they're so young. This is where we build those relationships and those bonds. And they get to know who their dad is. So for me, it was extremely important that I can build my fatherhood as the priority and the number one hat that I wear in WWE. Vince and everybody was really good about accommodating and making sure to keep me in the WWE family. Of course they were. They would let Roman Reigns get away with murder. He's their number one guy, and they knew it. He knew it. So for him to go and ask, of course they were going to oblige and give him whatever he wanted. But that's WWE's problem. And TV suffered because Roman Reigns wasn't on TV. They just didn't have anybody in place of Roman Reigns to give him the pleasure and the leisure to go out there and do that and be with his family. They didn't have anybody else to rely on that was at that same level as Roman Reigns. So the main thing is, no, we're not going to be on every single pay-per-view. But anything that I'm on, which will be, of course, all the major ones, and then a couple of the other ones that fall in between, the big four, the Saudis, I'll always support those with TVs to build a story and rivalry going forward. Compared to what I did, I guess technically you could say, compared to a full time on everything, you only get a day and a half a week. Yeah, I guess it's part time compared to what I've usually run. But I mean, I'm an annual character on the WWE television. So he says he's going to be there for the big four. Of course, he will. You can't miss the big four. It's going to be there for the Saudis. Of course, you're going to be there for the Saudis. The Saudis are paying you $500 million to be in their country to put on major shows, and you can't put on major shows without your major star. So very cut and dry, very, very, very bland answers here by Roman Reigns. He didn't really give you anything that we didn't know already. He's not going to really go into his contract fucking detail. He was also asked about Vince McMahon retiring. He says this. You know, it was just hard to believe because I think along with anyone who's followed this business or has been in this business, Vince is going to be running this. I'm going to be long gone and I'll be 20 years retired and Vince is still running the show. That's a fucking problem. The fact that he admitted that there, him of all people, that's a fucking problem. So you should be thanking the lucky fucking stars in the sky that Vince McMahon is gone. So I think that was just, okay, we'll see in six months or something like that was kind of the mindset that I initially took. Then we received the talent relations text message and then obviously a personal message from him and we talked a little bit about it. He didn't really go into anything. All he said was what we as a fan base said, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be well past this fucking WWE thing and Vince is still going to be running the show. You and I would be in our 60s and our 70s and Vince is going to be sitting in the fucking chair at 98 years old, still running the goddamn show. That's basically what Roman Reigns said. He uttered exactly the same sentiments as the fucking IWC. Triple H. He commented on Triple H. I think he's done excellent. I think he's a professional wrestling babyface right now in the industry. He's like a babyface for the industry right now. And there's like this honeymoon situation going on. There's a lot of excitement. But I mean, if you look at the grand scheme of it and just break it down of what he stepped into just dealing with all this controversy, I mean, dealing with the craziness of the impossible happened. Vince McMahon stepped down, like just dealing, wrapping your brain around that, and then being the guy to be next. 
I thought following Cena was tough. Imagine having to follow Vince McMahon. I think he's done great. I really do. And then The Rock. He mentioned The Rock. The Rock dropped a hint on his sitcom, Young Rock, about wrestling Roman Reigns. He said that a match like that should only take place at WrestleMania. Reigns was asked if there's any update to The Rock wrestling at WrestleMania against him. He says, and I quote, Dwayne's dropping it with his own project, so it's got to be pretty good. It's got to be pretty special. I think that just goes to show the clamoring, the buzz for it, the chatter for it, the wishful thinking is something that he definitely played into with Young Rock. So you wish, you know, which, as you know, with him, everything's highly strategic. A lot of synergy with everything that he does with the projects that he's been you know, going with and he's guiding, he has in his mind. So yeah, I would just say, based off that alone, it looks even better than it did the last time we spoke. It's pretty much Roman Reigns telling you that, yeah, it's on the plate and it's there for The Rock to take it if he wants. It's basically, if that match happens, then I think that's the end we see of Joe Anawai and Roman Reigns. I think that will be the end of the Tribal Chief character. He will not have the same presence he has on TV after that match with The Rock. I think that's going to be the swan song for both. It's going to be The the Rock's retirement, and it's going to be Roman's semi-retirement if we haven't seen it already. He also mentioned Money in the Bank. I know a lot of people mentioned that they were upset about him missing Money in the Bank, but he did talk about this with Sports Illustrated as well. He said the strategy for the first few months after WrestleMania 38 was to be on Money in the Bank. But once the show was changed and it was moved away from Allegiant Stadium into the MGM Grand Garden, we re-strategized and we just kind of stayed on the path of hitting these huge ones going into the winter. So once Money in the Bank was moved, I was pulled from that and we knew we were going to hit SummerSlam and then also Cardiff being a huge stadium show as well, being a huge international show. It was just, I knew I was going to be a part of that one. So for me, it wasn't a surprise. Once I knew things were up with money in the bank, I figured there was going to be an adjustment there. WWE re-signed Roman Reigns to a contract. And they gave him the WWE Universal and WWE titles. They had him sign a new contract after he won both of these titles. And they gave him less dates by putting both world championships on Roman Reigns. That, to me, is inexcusable. That's WWE not knowing what the fuck they're doing. Roman Reigns pretty much swindled them in the contract negotiations. He got to beat Lesnar in WrestleMania. He became double world champion. He's the face of the company. And then they kept him off TV for the majority of the summer. Of course he's going to work SummerSlam. Of course he's going to work Clash of the Castle. He didn't really give any answer as to why he missed Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank is heralded as one of the big five shows of WWE's calendar year. And they didn't put him on the show. Oh, because we moved from Allegiant Stadium, we realized that maybe we're not needed at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. I don't understand that. You're a double world champion. You're a double world champion. Cody Rhodes just went out out with injury. Randy Orton was out with injury. And you still want to opt to be home. Now, I get you work 10 years on the road, but you're a double world champion. If you don't want the obligation of being a world champion, 
then give it to somebody else and get it in the hands of somebody that is going to be on the show and defend those fucking titles like you should have done against Matt Riddle. Roman Reigns' interview with Sports Illustrated didn't give any insight into anything. It was just Roman Reigns being very political about everything and dancing around the fucking questions. It's not going to badmouth Vince McMahon. He's obviously going to tell you Triple H is doing a great job, which he has been. Not going to tell you the real reason why he left money in the bank or missed money in the bank. Not going to give you the real details on why he signed his contract after being given both championships. Nothing was said there. As far as I'm, I'm concerned, it's a waste of my fucking time. Speaking of Roman Reigns, Paul Heyman. Where is Paul Heyman? Paul Heyman has worked on camera as an advocate for several stars, including CM Punk, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar. After working with Brock Lesnar, he aligned himself with the Tribal Chief. At SummerSlam, Lesnar put Paul Heyman through an announce table with an F5. Since that time, Heyman has been off television. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that Heyman hasn't been seen on television since SummerSlam because the idea is for him to sell the injuries he suffered when taking the F5 to make the spot mean something. Meltzer added that when Heyman does return, it will be a surprise. Wow. Imagine that old school ideology being brought back to current WWE television. Wow. Someone like Paul Heyman, who's the size of Paul Heyman, the age of Paul Heyman. He's not a spring chicken anymore, man. You're not putting Mustafa Ali through the fucking announce table. You're putting Paul Heyman through the announce table. It is only August 27th. He's selling that shit like death. He'll be back after Clash of the Castle. WWE Draft likely changed internally. No WWE Draft this year. This is from Fightful and Fightful Select. Many people expected the draft to happen after Clash of the Castle. However, that doesn't seem to be anywhere near the news it was before. It's more like WWE wants to hold off on it and make sure things go right. We're told by WWE sources that several WWE Raw talent were unbooked for the SmackDown episode that follows Clash of the Castle. Many stars have been told that the WWE draft was likely taking place that week, but if it is, a significant number of crossover talent were not involved. USA Network sources have told talent that the draft isn't happening in the immediate future, have outright stated to that after WrestleMania is a likelier landing spot for the WWE draft. Now, WWE had not officially announced the draft at all, and it was only rumor and speculation online, and hasn't given any confirmation about any dates for a draft, and the talent hasn't been given a heads up about anything either happening in the coming weeks. USA Network does not have a date listed for the draft at all this year. This is great. This is great. Do I think the WWE needs a draft? Absolutely. Do I think we need to do the draft bigger and better than ever if they want to continue doing the brand split? Absolutely. Do I think they could get away without a draft right now and save it for after WrestleMania? Absolutely. I don't think we need a WWE draft. I don't. I honestly think if Triple H 
continues to do what he does with Monday Night Raw and SmackDown and continues to add to the depth via NXT. And this is exactly what's going to happen. You're going to see call-ups. You're going to see Legado del Fantasma. You're going to see Joaquin Wilde. You're going to see Cruz del Toro. You're going to see Santos Escobar. You're going to see Electra Lopez. You're going to see all of them on the main roster. Where they go, I don't know. I would assume that they're going to SmackDown. You're going to see a Carmelo Hayes in the coming months. You're going to see uh, a Mandy Rose and a J.C. Jane and a Gigi Dolan. You're going to see women get called up. You're going to see men get called up. And you're going to see them placed on the main roster. Braun Breaker is going to get called up. I predict that. Braun Breaker is going to get called up to the main roster because I believe Tyler Bates is going to win and unify the NXT titles. And that is the basis for the draft not happening. That is the reason for the draft not happening. The reason why the draft is not happening is because NXT is automatically going to be replenished via NXT UK closing down. This gives it a little bit more of an easy go feel for Triple H to pull from NXT to supply depth to the main roster without feeling too bad and without sabotaging NXT of their top talent. He's already replaced all that top talent with Gallus, with Blair Davenport, with Tyler Bate, Ilya Dragunov coming on over when he's healed, J.D. McDonough. He's already replenished NXT for call-ups via NXT UK. So all of this is going to work out tremendously. And I mentioned this also last week when I talked about NXT UK closing down and being finished. You're going to inject black and gold into the Fruit Loop brand on Tuesday night via NXT UK because black and gold still was somewhat alive via NXT UK. And to me, that's a great thing. And then you're going to get Ryan Katz back working NXT potentially. We may be in for a new NXT all over again, NXT 3.0. It will never be the black and gold. It may somewhat still feel like the black and gold because NXT UK was still very much black and gold. The performers were very much black and gold. But NXT and the draft and the replenishing of the main roster is going to happen via just random call-ups. Triple H doesn't want to meddle in the draft yet. This gives him September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Seven months, eight months to get the draft ready prep for the draft, get people on brands that they need to be on, shake things up, and treat the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania like a true Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania that we haven't felt in many, many, many years because Vince hated professional wrestling fans. He hates professional wrestling. Why hasn't Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania felt like Raw after Mania? With all the chaos and the chants and the fucking, you know, all the craziness. They dumbed it down. They killed it. They gave you a shit show that never really resembled anything close to what they used to do because Vince hated that. The fans took control of the show. They, the audience, were the ones behind the production truck. Vince McMahon could never get past the fans running his show over him. That's why they dumbed that shit down. That's why they booked it like a fucking piece of shit random Monday Night Raw that you'd usually get in the middle of fucking July. That's why they lowered the crowd volume and they really dumbed down the fucking chance and nobody was really excited about it. 
Vince killed everybody's passion about the Raw after Mania, and it was never the same. Triple H is going to change that, and Triple H is going to give that show meaning via the WWE draft. I love it. Absolutely love it. Monday Night Raw. Triple H, this is the fourth week of Triple H. Over 2 million viewers. The 822 episode drew 2 million viewers. And the actual rating was a 2.005. That is up from the 1.978 million viewers the show did last week. Is this going to remain the same? Probably not. We're probably going to get that number dipping to 1.8 or 1.7. Monday Night Football is going to be back in the next week or so. Two weeks. When does Monday Night Football start? Next week, right? The NFL preseason is over. Monday Night Football will be back, and Monday Night Raw is going to take a massive hit. It is, without question, going to happen. But Triple H is going to try. Triple H is not going to roll over dead like Vince McMahon did and gave you bullshit. Vince McMahon gave you bullshit. Triple H is not going to do that. Triple H is going to continue booking the show the way that he's booked it. He's going to have all the important stuff happen at 10 o'clock, and when that game is just getting going, it's going to make it very difficult for you to change the channel because he's going to give you the best that he's got in that 10 o'clock hour, and that is what he's been doing. And that's what he's going to continue to do. Drive the narrative and sell stories. The demo, 0.55, that was up from a 0.53. The 18 to 49 demos through hours 1, 2, and 3, 0.53, 0.57, and then 0.55. That is actually pretty good for the last hour. Last week, it was 0.52, 0.57, and then 0.50 in that last hour. You could see that they were up significantly in the third hour this week. And that's where that mentality comes in. He's going to be putting most of the important stuff in that 10 o'clock hour because he wants you to keep watching the show. So that's that. Two weeks. September 12th. Eddie Foster in the chat. Thank you, Eddie Foster. September 12th. So we got another week without Monday Night Football, and then we'll see what Triple H has in store for us on September 12th. Following Monday Night Raw, we saw Edge and Damian Priest, which I thought was a solid match in the main event in Toronto. Of Monday Night Raw, Edge apparently wants to retire next year in Toronto. So, following Monday Night Raw and his match with Damian Priest being saved by his wife, Beth Phoenix, Edge grabbed the microphone and he spoke to fans in Toronto. He talked about his comeback after being out for so many years, talked about what he's done since his return, the pandemic, and then he thanked the fans for coming on out. Edge also talked about his pre-WWE days, wrestling days, when he knew he would be here wrestling in front of his hometown fans. Before wrapping up, he talked about having his retirement match next year in Toronto. WWE usually does a show in Toronto every August or so, and if he does retire next year, then it would be the approximate time frame. During his A&E documentary, which I haven't watched yet, Edge talked about wanting to go out on his own terms. He also expressed that he's interested in one more match with John Cena. So perhaps that might be in the cards for him within the next year or for his final match. You know, a lot of these guys say things because it's in the moment and it's in their hometown and they're feeling some kind of way being there. If Edge wants to retire next year, he's going to retire. If he doesn't retire, I'm not going to be surprised either. Because I do feel like Edge still has a lot to prove and he still has a lot that he wants to accomplish in his time back in WWE. Edge versus Cody Rhodes needs to happen. I would not 
shy away from giving Edge one last run as the WWE champion. I would love to see that happen just for his sake. I think that would be tremendous television. I would love to see Edge versus John Cena. In fact, if you're going to book Edge's final match, it's definitely got to be against John Cena. No doubt about it, 100%. Whether it happens at SummerSlam, whether it happens on Monday Night Raw, I don't know. But John Cena versus Edge needs to be the final match if Edge is definitely going to retire. But we don't know. Most of us don't even know what we're doing tomorrow. Most of us don't even know what we're doing going into Labor Day. Edge is talking about next year, possibly retiring in Toronto next year. He may want to retire in Toronto, but may not want to retire next year. We don't know. People's people's opinions and people's feelings change over the course of time. He may have said that now, but he might not really feel that come next year. We don't know. But it made the news. It made the news. Edge is still capable of going. If he's not capable of going, he's going to be honest with us and he's going to let us know. And he will go out on his own terms. And he's been tremendous. And he's been one of my favorite aspects of the entire fucking product since he's been back. Johnny Gargano. He also returned to WWE on Monday. A lot of people were asking, well, why did they debut him on Monday night in the way that they did? Why not? Why not? All because you didn't get the debut of Johnny Gargano the way you wanted it. Apparently, it was a bad debut. Well, because you would have done it different, differently, it was a bad debut. No. Triple H and the Triple H administration is going to continue to give you surprises when they see fit. Triple H could have easily brought back Johnny Gargano in Cleveland. Do you want to know why he didn't? Because it would have been too predictable. The one thing you have to understand about Triple H, and I want to really ingrain this in your fucking skulls, honestly, if it's predictable... Triple H is going to shy away from predictable. He wants unpredictability. He wants you second-guessing yourself. When something doesn't happen like that, he wants you watching the show and watching after the show is over and asking yourself, well, that was disappointing, only to fucking play you like a fiddle when he does do what you want, but not when you want it. We we, we, Listen, we did this with NXT, man. We have done this so many times with NXT. This is not... This is not anything out of the ordinary. Triple H is not on social media fucking bragging about surprises. Oh, you got to watch this. Oh, you got to watch that. I got a major fucking bombshell coming on Monday Night Raw tonight. Please tune in. USA Network at 8 p.m. Thank you. No. He's not doing any of that. He doesn't need to do that. Let Triple H do what he's got to do. But Johnny Gargano returned. Gargano came out. He talked about in Toronto, by the way. Toronto was also a significance to Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano in Toronto had probably one of the best matches of his entire career with Tommaso Ciampa, winning his first NXT tag team title against FTR, then the Revival. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go watch NXT Toronto on the WWE Network, on Peacock, and you'll know what I'm talking about. One of the greatest tag team matches in the history of professional wrestling was that match. Go and watch it. That's also another reason why Johnny Gargano debuted. Gargano talked about wanting to win titles. He wanted to win the Intercontinental title. He wanted to win the United States title. 
He wanted to win the WWE Championship. He thanked fans for talking about him in the absence being away from the ring for nine months. He acknowledged he didn't know where he wanted to go and he considered retirement. Johnny Wrestling is back in WWE. He was then interrupted by Austin Theory. Theory put him over. And by the way, Austin Theory may be getting his new his name back. Not his new name. His old name back. Austin Theory may be coming back instead of just Theory. Apparently, WWE has sent out promotional work with Austin Theory as his name and not just Theory. So, obviously, this is something that people are going to keep a close eye on. We even got it last night. SmackDown taped next week's show. Last night, Pete Dunne, Butch, let me at him, Scoob! Reggie, you know, Pete Dunn, right? Butch, he came out wearing his old bruiserweight ring attire. Vince McMahon had him wrestling in a fucking paperboy outfit. Possibility that Triple H is turning Pete Dunn back into Pete Dunn. Or all the teases that Butch gave us on social media by him posting old pictures of himself with the UK title and pictures of himself in NXT this is what he may have been alluding to. Not a name change, not yet anyway, but at least wrestling in his bruiser weights attire, which we will see on Friday, and it will be glorious. Theory. He interrupted Johnny Gargano. Theory and Johnny Gargano, they were in a group called The Way on NXT television. They did teasing the high five that they used to do in NXT, but Gargano kicked him in the face. And I guess we got Johnny Gargano's first feud set up on Raw. Gargano's, Gargano's name did not appear on any of the rundowns ahead of the show as they wanted WWE to keep this appearance secret. There was much of the talent that was there that didn't know and much of the production was not briefed in on him appearing. When Johnny Gargano walked through the backstage a few minutes before is when many people found out that he was there and would be on the show. Now, Fightful's told that WWE maintained continued interest in re-signing Johnny Gargano throughout his free agency period. And during that process, Fightful was told that the company was patient and respected Gargano's wishes in time off, which only helped WWE get Gargano back, in my honest opinion. Gargano was just another name, obviously, that WWE thought they had a significantly higher chance of re-signing when Triple H gained power. Now, we haven't heard any advanced negotiations between Johnny Gargano and AEW, and we were told that we were told that we we were told that <laughs> oh man we were told that <laughs> oh man yeah right Impact Wrestling was never a serious consideration. No shit. Impact. <laughs> Who watches Impact? Fucking ridiculous. AW sources, when asked, told Fightful that they didn't believe Gargano was going to end up coming into the company throughout, his year, or throughout this year, though he did have several people in the company pushing for him. You know, listen, man, Tony Khan, there was interest there. There, there, there was people, I, I read that there was interest from the locker room to AEW management. Let's get Johnny in here. And Tony Khan didn't really advance any of that. 
I don't know why. He didn't hesitate on Adam Cole, though. He didn't hesitate on Adam Cole at all. Meanwhile, Johnny Gargano and Candice LeRae, the Bucks love both of them. And they didn't make any advancements, AEW did, towards Johnny Gargano or Candice LeRae. Now they lost. Their loss. It was never their loss to begin with. As soon as Triple H took over, I think everybody kind of assumed that Johnny Gargano was going to be back in the WWE. I'm glad he is. He came back with Rebel Heart. He came back looking great. He's going to be a major proponent on the show. And everything that he said, U.S. title, intercontinental title, WWE title, you better fucking believe we'll be getting some great Johnny Gargano matches. Johnny Gargano is going to be mega over on the main roster. Why? Because he is the absolute quintessential perfect babyface for WWE. Matches against Edge, matches against Balor, matches against Styles, matches against Champa, matches against fucking, uh, you name it, you know, Cody. It's going to be great. And whoever else is getting called up from the main roster or fraud to the main roster from NXT. It's going to be awesome. I think this is a great move and, uh, I love the way that they brought him back. And I'm looking forward to just another reason for us to watch Monday Night Raw. Awesome. Austin Theory, though. He's still being groomed for the top spot in WWE. Now, this is nothing new. This is coming from Dave Meltzer and the Wrestling Observer. Before Triple H took over as head of creative, WWE was doing a feud between Dolph Ziggler and Austin Theory. The idea was for Ziggler, a veteran to help Theory with his in-ring work, even though Austin Theory was pretty good. Austin Theory is ap- he's actually very good. I don't think Dolph Ziggler really needed to do anything to make Theory better. But working with somebody like Dolph Ziggler, you're going to pick up on the little, the little intricacies of a pro wrestling match with Dolph Ziggler. How to sell, when to fucking slow it down, and, and, and so on and so forth. So Monday Night Raw, we've seen Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory potentially start a new feud. Now, while speaking on Monday's Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer noted that Triple H is also high on theory and he is still seen as a future top guy. He says this, and I quote, I guess with Dolph Ziggler, Dolph Ziggler is kind of the odd man out because they were going to run with Ziggler and Theory at all the house shows to give Theory the idea was to give Theory opponents that will give him experience because Theory is one that they really want to groom. It appears that Paul Levesque hasn't done anything to change that They like the guy. He's got good size. He's got a good look. He's a very good athlete. He just needs ring work. Does he need ring work? Or does he need more work, more reps in the ring to enhance and hone his craft? Because I do think from what we've seen already with Austin Theory that he's pretty much up there. He's brought Bobby Lashley to probably his best match, one of his best matches. I think Champa and Lashley was better. But the match at Money in the Bank, I do believe, was very good between Austin Theory and Bobby Lashley, between two guys that haven't worked together before that with each other. So Theory is still being groomed for the top spot. Looks like we may be slotting in Gargano instead of Dolph Ziggler, which, I mean, you can't get any better than Johnny Gargano working with somebody like him. He's going to learn everything he needs to know from a Johnny Gargano. And if they want to use Ziggler as well, I mean, it's a nice one-two combination for Austin Theory, but he's not going anywhere. Will he lose that briefcase? Will he... Fail the cash-in, we don't know. Only time will tell, but Austin Theory is still being groomed for the top spot, so don't be fooled about him not being on television and him losing and all this other shit, or him being a Vince McMahon guy. He was a Triple H guy 
before he was the Vince McMahon guy, and Triple H knows that, and Triple H sees the talent in Austin Theory, and he's not going to let somebody like that just go to waste. So it will be happening, and Theory will be the guy in WWE. Bruce Pritchard. Let's shift to NXT. Bruce Pritchard says people came up with fabricated lies about him writing NXT 2.0. Now, somebody reached out to me and said I should listen to last week's Something to Wrestle With because this is where this quote came from. Somebody said that Bruce Pritchard was indirectly talking about someone like me. Good. Good. Bruce Pritchard says that people lied about him writing 2.0. He says this on something to wrestle with. I can't come out and say things when they are reported incorrectly or just out and out falsehood and out and out lies. And sometimes it really irritates me and sometimes it doesn't. I'm not in a position where I could really comment on some of those things. Of course you're not because your job is on the line and you need that extra income, Bruce. You don't want to throw away all that extra money you got coming in from the E. I'm not in a position where I can really comment on some of those, but it's for those that choose to be negative. I didn't choose to be negative, Bruce. You forced me to be negative. Vince forced me to be negative. I don't choose to be negative at all. I want nothing but positive. I want to enjoy what I'm watching. You just didn't give me anything to enjoy or be positive about. But it's for those that choose to be negative and want to believe the negative. Then you're a negative person and that's what you're going to do. So have at it. I'm not going to try and change anything else. But I do have to say, because it's something that people even internally would come to me with and make comments about that I was writing NXT. I never wrote one NXT show in the history of my existence. I am a fan of NXT I love NXT. If you see this report going around and you see people, this is an active, this is an active call to arms for my off-the-script VIPs. If you see anybody ever talk about this topic, I need you to go out there and claim that Bruce Prichard is a liar. That's exactly what he is. He wants to call out those that are reporting false news and reporting lies, and it irritates him. It irritates me how he went on his own show and lied to everybody who listened to that show, lied to everybody reading this report, and lied to Conrad Thompson, his co-host. There is absolutely no fucking way that anybody is going to believe the words that come out of this man's mouth. This man destroyed NXT along with Vince McMahon. I love NXT. I'm a fan of NXT, he says. Really, if you were a fan of NXT, then black and gold would still be here, and we wouldn't be talking about how terrible 2.0 is. You're a fan of NXT. It didn't stop you from fucking demolishing that everything Triple H did. And now that Vince McMahon is not there and you have no safety net anymore, and Paul Levesque is your boss... Now, all of a sudden, you want to love and chime in about how you are a fan of NXT. 
What that means, folks, let me decode this for you. He loves NXT and he's a fan of NXT now because Triple H is in charge. And if he knows that Triple H is in charge and he gets out of line, then that's going to mean his ass and he's going to be unemployed. But the thing is, Triple H is going to fire Bruce Pritchard anyway. Bruce Pritchard is going to be unemployed before he even knows what fucking hits his fucking 18 rolls under his chin. He's the fucking Pillsbury Doughboy waiting to be fucking put into the oven and fucking baked at 375 degrees to be broken open at Thanksgiving dinner, bro. This guy is finished. He is absolutely finished. He's a fan of NXT, but he said nothing of the sort when Vince McMahon was wiping the legacy of black and gold from existence. He said nothing in regards to Bronson Reed being fired and Malachi Black being fired and Andrade being fired and Johnny Gargano walking out because 2.0 didn't fit Johnny Gargano and everybody else that I'm obviously forgetting here that was fired because of Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. Didn't stop him then, right? How about that fable trip to the Performance Center when Vince, Johnny Laurinaitis, Bruce, and Nick Khan made their way down there before 2.0 got launched. What about that, Bruce? You didn't fire all the coaches that you deemed not needing to be there? You didn't fire William Regal? You love NXT so much, though, right? But William Regal was on the list of firings to be let go. Samoa Joe, right? You love NXT so much. This guy was the NXT champion, and he had to come out publicly and claim that he had to relinquish the title because of covid Bullshit. Bullshit. Samoa Joe had to relinquish the title because they realized that he was fired once before and he was only hired again because of Paul Levesque. But he loves NXT so much. Bruce Prichard loves NXT. Loves NXT so much that he killed all the black and gold and now we got Southside slang in the theme music. We're fucking doing it for the hustlers or whatever the fuck they say in the intro to the NXT theme. He loves NXT so much that fucking coaches quit because of all the ridiculous main roster edicts that were now infiltrating the Performance Center. He loves NXT so much that Athena was bullied by main roster management, forced out of the company. Cried on Chris Van Vliet's podcast because... She was told to dress like Mandy Rose. She spoke up about it and then got fired. Yeah, Bruce Pritchard loves NXT so much. Bruce Pritchard loves NXT so much that he had Braun Breaker break the black and gold logo, not once but twice, when he beat Tommaso Ciampa for the NXT world title. This is a man that loves NXT so much, right? Bruce Pritchard is a fucking... Slob. He's a fucking outright liar. He is everything wrong with the WWE. He is basically the embodiment of the fucking bullshit and the dark fucking hole that exists in the IWC. That is Bruce Pritchard. This man deserves the worst outcomes in life. This man deserves nothing but fucking sitting in his his home, in his studio, wherever he records something to wrestle with, talking about 
things that happened 30 years ago, embellishing on the truth or twisting the truth around. It's what he does on the A&E podcast, on the A&E documentaries, twisting shit around. This guy's a fucking habitual liar. Nothing that comes out of this man's mouth is legit. Nothing. He loves NXT so much that he got Shawn Michaels go out there and fucking blame himself. Shawn Michaels never wrote one show of NXT 2.0. Not one. I don't know how he could say he never ran NXT or never wrote an NXT show. He's the executive producer. The show stops with him. It starts and stops with Bruce Prichard. He's the executive producer. The executive producer tells everybody else underneath him what he wants on the show, who he wants on the show, how he wants the show to go. So for him to say he never wrote one NXT show, he's an outright liar. He's the executive fucking director. Producer. They all went to him about what to do. So as far as I'm concerned, that's Bruce running the show. The guy is a fucking bullshit artist. He's been a bullshit artist for 30 years. It's the one trait that Vince McMahon taught him. And the one thing he does very well. Do not believe anything that comes out of this man's mouth. Nothing. Speaking of NXT, Toxic Attraction, they were pulled from the WWE Women's Tag Team Title Tournament. We got a loser's bracket, Fatal 4-Way, in which Sonya and Natalya won a Fatal 4-Way in four minutes on last night's show. They eventually lost to... (laughs) Raquel Rodriguez Gonzalez. Because she's always smiling, right? And Aaliyah, who at this juncture, I don't even know why is on television. She's awful. She didn't even wrestle anything last night on SmackDown. It was basically a fucking handicap match. Why Toxic Attraction was pulled from the Women's Tag Team Title Tournament? Apparently, J.C. Jane got a concussion, and she will be unable to compete in the tournament. Concussion. She's out. As far as what happened from there, I don't know. If they're going to be brought up to the main roster or not, we'll see. They were going to be on the show. Gigi and J.C. were going to be on the show to do something to promote Friday in the semifinal, but they were pulled from the tournament due to injury. J.C. Jane suffered a concussion. Oh, no, Gigi Dolan is the latest to suffering concussion. The reason is that she and J.C. Jane will want... I'm sorry, I'm, I got everything mixed up here. I apologize. I made a typo on my... Gigi Dolan suffered the concussion and not J.C. Jane. J.C. Jane is out and can't compete because she doesn't have a tag team partner. Gigi Dolan is the one to suffer a concussion. So that's the reason why they were pulled. Now, nobody knows how long Gigi Dolan's going to be out or how long Toxic Attraction is going to be out off NXT television, or if they're going to be called up to the main roster. But obviously, WWE is very high on all three ladies, Mandy, JC, and Gigi. Uh, This also came just a few days after Zoe Stark reportedly suffered a concussion as well. So we got Gigi Dolan and Zoe Stark suffering concussion. That happened against Mandy Rose last week on NXT, which is why she was pulled from the SmackDown show to begin with. So... That's the reason why her and Nikita, <laughs> Thikita Lyons, was pulled from the show. Now, Nikita Lyons was pulled from the show for her own reasons, vaccination reasons. Uh, either she is not vaccinated or she had COVID, one or the other. It was medical reasons why she was pulled. Or whatever the fuck the terminology was. 
but she was pulled because of a COVID-related reason. Medical protocol. That's WWE's insider term for COVID or vaccination. So they got pulled because of vaccination for Nikita. Zoe Stark got a concussion. They were replaced by Toxic Attraction. Toxic Attraction won their match, but in their match, Gigi Dolan suffered a concussion, and then they were pulled, and that's how we got the Fatal 4-Way on Friday night. Hopefully that made sense for everybody. Legato del Fantasma. More hints that they will be joining Santos Escobar on the main roster, which is the best thing for everybody. At Heatwave, Tony D'Angelo. Yo, Tony D over here. Santos. He beat Santos in a match with the stipulation that if Escobar lost, he'd be forced to leave NXT. Prior to this match, Escobar teased a main roster call-up on several occasions. Per Dave Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro have been appearing at house shows alongside Tony D'Angelo. So he appears to be staying in NXT and... The Legato guys, I mean, well, I think the writing's on the wall after what we saw on Tuesday. Meltzer noted, Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro, it looks like they're staying in NXT for now. Then we see Tuesday that they were picked up by Santos, and he said that family is everything, and we do everything together as a family. So they walked out of the Performance Center. Santos picked them up in a big black SUV, picked all three of them up, and then he drove away. So this was WWE's way of writing off Legato del Fantasma, and maybe somewhere after Clash of the Castle, we get them on the main roster. I, I, I love it. Santos would have been fine on his own. But now Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro and Electra Lopez, I mean, that's the right move. That is the right move. Also, for the right reasons of it gets them a tag team on the main roster, it gets them another female star, which she's not very good at all. I mean, I don't know if she's gotten better since the last time we saw her, but she's not very good. And it's just the presentation of the total package. It really is. So Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde, it gives them another solid tag team in that division. And Santos can go and do whatever he's got to do. And I think Electra Lopez is better as a valet than she is in, as an in-ring performer. But the makeup of all four as a presentation... Is fantastic. And SmackDown, to me, I think is the best course of action for Legato Del Fantasma. Solo Sokoa. Solo Sokoa. He might be headed to the main roster along with Legato, along with Braun Breaker, along with Toxic Attraction. PW Insider reported this weekend that there has been a lot of talk over the last week within WWE circles that NXT could be unleashing Solo Sokoa to the main roster in the very near future, possibly as soon as next month. Now, this report comes over a month after Fightful reported that there had been serious talks about Sokoa joining the main roster. Sokoa, his real name, Joseph Fatu, is the son of Rakishi and the younger brother of Jimmy and Jay Uso, Jonathan and Joshua Fatu. He signed with WWE last year. Now, in June, while speaking to BT Sport, Solo revealed that before making his NXT TV debut, WWE considered him putting, uh, putting him with the Usos on SmackDown. He noted that at the time he was very hesitant about it, and they put him on NXT. He was hesitant because he wanted fans to know him for being him 
instead of Jimmy and Jay, uh, Jimmy and Jay's brother, younger brother. He has gotten over in NXT and now could be the right time to move him up. Now, I still think, let me check how old he is. I want to see how old he is because he is 29 years old. I was thinking that he was 23, 24 years old. Now, I say, you know, 29 is still young. You want to keep him down there in the rest of the year? You want to have a draft? I think next year after WrestleMania would be the perfect time to call Solo Sokoa up to the May roster. It doesn't need to be now. Give him some time in NXT. In fact, keep him in NXT. Have him win the North American Championship from Carmelo Hayes. Call Carmelo Hayes up. And then when next year's draft comes around, you start to decide who you want to be called up to the main roster via the draft, and you make Solo Sokoa your number one draft pick, along with whomever else is there ready to get called up to the main roster. And at that point, you give him a nice North American championship run. You have him get some championship experience. You get him some experience being the guy. You get him some more in-ring work and have him hone his craft even more so. And then you drop the title around WrestleMania season, and then you call him up. I don't see what the what the the the, the rush is for Solo Sokoa. 29 years old is young. He's a baby. So by the time next year comes around, 30 years old, he's got all that experience. He's held a major championship. He knows what it's like to hold a major championship and compete at a major level floor championship on some premium live shows. Then get him on the main roster and have him do what he's got to do. Whether, whether or not you want to pair him with the Usos or the Bloodline or... Whatever the case may be, at least he will be more ready then than he would be now. And I'm sticking to that. I don't think we need him on the main roster. I think it's internally being discussed, yes, because he's incredibly over and he's incredibly talented and he's got incredible upside. But I don't think we need him now. There are others ahead of him that I think are much better suited for the main roster. Give him another six or seven months, eight months, and then we can start talking about Solo Sokoa. Dynamite. They finally drew over a million viewers. Wednesday's Dynamite 824 episode did 1.049 million viewers with the undisputed world title match between John Moxley and CM Punk. This is up from 957,000 live viewers. The show drew last week. In the 18 to 49 demographic, the show did a 0.34 rating, which was up. From the 0.30 the show did last week. It was ranked number one in the top 150 shows on cable for the night. This was up from the number two ranking last week. And obviously, CM Punk, John Moxley. John Moxley beats CM Punk to unify the AEW World Championships in less than five minutes. A lot of people were upset about this. A lot of people were turned off by this. Some people claim that I'm impatient. Today, I got a quote. On Twitter, oh, I'm impatient. The reason why you don't like AEW is because you're jumping on the WWE bandwagon and you've become un, uh, uh, impatient with AEW storytelling. I don't know where the fuck these people come from, man. I don't know where these people grow, what trees they grow on. I was legitimately the whole basis for my back and forth with Jesse on Wednesday after the match happened with Punk and Moxley was to tell everybody to be patient. CM Punk is playing everybody. This is a story, the beginning stages of a story that I know are going to happen. 
All you need to do is just follow along. Look at the things that happened on Wednesday. Look at the city in which Punk lost and he got carried out. Look at the city in which he lost that match on Wednesday and he left the building. Look at the city that that match took place in on Wednesday with the reports of him walking out of the company. Cleveland. When he walked out of WWE for the last time, it was in Cleveland. His last UFC defeat, I believe, was in Cleveland. He walked out on Wednesday to lose in three minutes to John Moxley in Cleveland. MJF made a mention of Cleveland in their promo before their match and their feud at the last time that they wrestled. What was it, Revolution? Cleveland is a big, big no-no for CM Punk. The look that CM Punk gave John Moxley after that match was over as he was being carried off of television by trainers and Doc Sampson, a look of, that should have been me. CM Punk is going heel. CM Punk is going heel, and it could be that we get it on All Out Sunday. We could get it after All Out. We could get it going into New York. It's going to be very difficult to turn CM Punk into a heel in Chicago. We don't even know if the match is going to be taking place inside the confines of the now arena. We don't know. We have no idea. Dave Meltzer seems to think that we're getting a rematch with Moxley and Punk. Who's to say we don't get MJF on All Out Sunday? I said this on my podcast on Wednesday. Who's to say that Punk going heel doesn't bring back MJF and they are in cahoots? Hero. Hero of MJF was CM Punk. Who's to say that they don't bring all of this fucking bullshit drama that's being said backstage to television to link up MJF and CM Punk legitimately as a one-two combo on television? The teacher and the student, the man that MJF looked up to all his career is CM Punk. The same thing that happened to MJF happened to CM Punk and vice versa. They have a commonality in place. Who's to say that's not the reason? Who's to say that's not the direction? But I'm pretty confident that this is all leading to CM Punk going heel. Was it the right decision to give CM Punk the world title? Looking back at it, it may not have been the right decision. Because clearly it has served as a catalyst for backstage drama. And you could see why it would serve as a catalyst for backstage drama. CM Punk came out and cut an unscripted promo against Adam Page. Unscripted. He went off the script. Adam Page had no rebuttal because he's not really in anything major right now outside of teaming with the Dark Order against the fucking elite going into the pay-per-view, which I'll touch upon in a second. But CM Punk seen this as a receipt. He's back on television for the first time in two months and saw an opening to come out and say something that he held in, withheld from management, went off the cuff about Adam Page, and Adam Page had nothing to do with what is going on per storyline with CM Punk and the world title and John Moxley. But he's out there mentioning Adam Page. Now, was it right to give CM Punk the world title? Looking back at it, it may not have been the right decision. But CM Punk is the moneymaker. He is the man selling tickets. He's putting asses in seats. He's selling merchandise like you wouldn't believe. 
Tony Khan has put so much money into CM Punk and it has made CM Punk into the greatest investment that Tony Khan could have put his money towards. Without CM Punk, we aren't where we are with AEW right now. We're not. You could have brought in a Danielson. You could have brought in an Adam Cole. You could have brought in a fucking anybody else you wanted. Malachi, Andrade, all this other shit. Miro. But CM Punk is CM Punk, and there's no one else like CM Punk. He's the greatest investment in AEW history. Giving him the world title is something that is questionable. After one year, did he, did, did he need the world title? No. He didn't need the world title. He's fucking CM Punk. You could have did this last ride tour in the last year of his, of his AEW run. The last year he wanted to fucking say, you know what, I'm done. Let's go on the fucking trail and let's go on that journey and get CM Punk a world title. Did he need the world title in his first year of a three or four year contract? No. He did not. Something like that I could see being the catalyst to rub people the wrong way. Adam Page took it the wrong way. Everybody else that's been working there all these years from day one that has not gotten the opportunity that CM Punk has gotten. Granted, they're not CM Punk. But how do you feel about somebody coming in, making a thousand times more money than you and being given a world championship and be given top billing when you've been there working your ass off and nobody even realizes that you're there? It's a tough pill to swallow. But that's what CM Punk did when he came in. Not intentionally. They gave him the world title and that's how people felt. It caused locker room dissent. A lot of people were wondering, well, what's really different between here and WWE? This is the same shit that happens in WWE. When am I going to get my just desserts? When am I going to get my chance to shine? Can't do that if WWE guys are coming in. CM Punk is the biggest ex-WWE name that they got. And the most vocal WWE name that they got. He left the fucking company, fired on his wedding day. Cut one of the greatest promos in the history of the business. About why WWE is fucking going to fail. The pipe bomb in Vegas still lives on today in every aspect of people's fucking pro wrestling talk. MJF modeled his promo not too long ago before he went away after Double or Nothing, after the pipe bomb. MJF's promo was about guys like CM Punk. And John Moxley. But you could see why giving CM Punk the world championship is going to be a very, very negative feeling in the back. And Adam Page took the microphone and said what he said about CM Punk. Backstage heat ensued. Now, it wasn't the only reason why they got backstage heat. Apparently, Cole Cabana was the reason for the backstage heat. CM Punk walks in and Cole Cabana is the fucking prime target. I don't want this guy here. Tony Khan was about to let him walk. The locker room stuck up for Colt Cabana. Why are you going to let this guy walk now? Because you're fucking marking out over CM Punk being here. Colt Cabana's been a fucking good soldier for you. He deserves better. CM Punk wants to come in talking about workers' rights, but then walks in here and then all of a sudden claims that Colt Cabana doesn't belong here. Talking about workers' rights. Fuck workers' rights. Complete fucking hypocrite. That was the whole gripe. So Tony Khan, thinking that he evened everything out and made people happy, signed Colt Cabana to a contract and banished him to Ring of Honor, which right now is a non-entity. It's got a job. 
He's doing PR work for the video game. But where is he on television? Not part of the Dark Order. Not in the trio's tournament with the Dark Order. All because of CM Punk and pleasing CM Punk. So that caused locker room dissension. Now, I said this on Thursday. The match with John Moxley and CM Punk on Wednesday, who's to say they didn't take the title off of CM Punk as a way to rectify bad creative? Maybe Tony Khan realized, maybe I shouldn't have given CM Punk the world title. Maybe I shouldn't have given CM Punk the world championship. Maybe we'll put it back on John Moxley, and maybe people will be a little bit more easygoing in the locker room because everybody loves John Moxley. He's not CM Punk coming in here in his first calendar year winning a world championship. John Moxley's worked his ass off. Another reason why CM Punk needed to lose that match on Wednesday is because if John Moxley lost and we got the match that we wanted and it was 30 minutes or so and CM Punk won the match, what does that mean for John Moxley moving forward? Can't really do that to John Moxley. John Moxley's held his company on his back and has given us the best performances of his career. This is the best run in his career so far. If there's anybody that deserves being treated right, it's John Moxley. They couldn't go and have him lose and then be banished back to the Blackpool Combat Club with nothing to do. It's not fair. It's not right. There's a lot of problems right now. There's a lot of problems. Tony Khan held a mandatory meeting. This happened before Dynamite on Wednesday. Fightful Select learned that there was a mandatory talent meeting Wednesday before the Dynamite show. And we're told here at Fightful that Tony Khan was present. And... They updated this throughout the afternoon. Took place between 3 and 4 in the afternoon. Tony Khan was fired up. Several topics were tackled, including working as a team, the line of communication, and who the talent can talk to if they have concerns. The access to Tony Khan was also addressed as the rumors of miscommunication and lack of access to him had become a problem. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were said to have made it clear that their their door is always open and that they can be reached for concerns as well. Talent were briefed via email recently about several of the new coaches and talent relations promotions. In addition, Chris Jericho and Tony Schiavone spoke at the meeting. Schiavone had been tasked with some additional talent relation roles. It was also news about the contract tampering that was discussed via this talent meeting. And it was noted that AEW's chief legal officer sent a message email to WWE, specifically Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon, about contract tampering allegations. Jericho actually came out and insinuated that WWE had reached out to him about potentially coming back to the company, knowing that he is signed and inked to an exclusive deal with AEW. If Jericho was saying that, I don't think Jericho would be fooling anybody. He wouldn't put that out there if it wasn't true. Jericho was a very loyal soldier to Tony Khan and a very loyal... uh, soldier to AEW. He's not going to go out there and bullshit anybody with bullshit on social media like he's Bruce Pritchett. I don't know what this meeting did. I don't know what the vibe was of this meeting. It says Tony Khan was fired up. I don't know what else was discussed outside of what was reported here. Rumors of miscommunication, lines as lines of communication working as a team and this and that. Seems like none of the most important things were discussed here. So it seems like all the important shit that should have been discussed left 
or, or went unsaid and was not addressed in that meeting. So we had this meeting. And then on Wednesday, going into Thursday, Wednesday night going into Thursday, we find out Eddie Kingston suspended. We find out Thunder Rosa was suspended, only for that to be debunked, and she is hurt. I don't understand what the fuck is going on here. I really don't. Eddie Kingston was suspended by AEW. He then commented on his own suspension. Sammy Guevara also commented on his own suspension. On Eddie Kingston's suspension. Fightful reported that Eddie Kingston was quietly suspended. We were told that Eddie Kingston was mad because Sammy Guevara hadn't spoken with Eddie or cleared the content of a promo that ended up being edited off the show. The two had not conversed since Blood and Guts, where Eddie Kingston threw Sammy Guevara off the cage. We've heard that Kingston had asked to work with Sammy, who didn't have uh, people angling to work with him after his feud with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. Those that we spoke to said there were some pretty clear parameters set on Sammy Guevara's feuds and promos, to not mention his ex-fiance, which we're told has never come up or been pitched anyway. The original plan was for Eddie Kingston to win the all-out match. In the edited-out promo, Sammy Guevara referred to Kingston as a fat piece of shit, which Kingston took exception to as he felt it buried the match if a fat piece of shit beat him. The crux of the frustration, however, was Sammy followed up with this after being perceived as difficult to work with with Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page, and Sanjay Dutt in months prior. After that, we're told that Kingston had yelled at Sammy Guevara, who smiled at him, Kingston responded by pie-facing Guevara. Sammy ended up being incredibly unhappy with this, and Kingston was suspended for two weeks. We were unable to reach out to Eddie Kingston, who wouldn't confirm the recounting of events, but said, I was wrong, that was all. The feud is continuing as Sammy and Tamello are taking on, or did take on, Ortiz and Ruby Soho on Rampage. So Sean Ross Sapp also noted that on Twitter, all-out changes were happening, At that time, there were no matches that were publicly set for the show that would end up being on the actual card. Eddie Kingston commented on the suspension by saying, and I quote, You know the truth? I wouldn't lie. I was wrong for being unprofessional. That is the blind fact. He did what he did, and the public can judge that, but I know for a fact I was wrong. End quote. That's all he said. Now, he pie-faced Sammy Guevara. We talked about this on Thursday. Me and Jesse talked about this on Thursday. You put your hands on somebody in the back, Yes, it's grounds for suspension. I apologize thinking that this was an altercation between the two, but it ended up being Eddie Kingston getting angry over miscommunication with uh, with Sammy Guevara and and nothing else but miscommunication. If there was communication here, none of this would have ended up the way that it was at all. And you can't put your hands on somebody, and he was rightfully suspended. I said, well, what if Sammy, you know, what did Sammy do here? Obviously, if Eddie Kingston got suspended, it must have been something Sammy did. Now that we know the full story, Sammy really didn't do anything. Sammy was just lazy in communicating with what he wanted from Eddie Kingston. And Eddie Kingston got fucking pissed off. Apparently, Eddie Kingston went to anger management as well for this situation. So they had the confrontation. Things seem to be water under the bridge now. Sammy Guevara... He did say something via Fightful 
and he came out and explained his story. I don't want to really go over it all. Again, you guys can go and listen to Thursday's live stream where we talked about all this. But that was just one of the major instances that happened this, this week. Sammy Guevara, Eddie Kingston, with Eddie Kingston getting suspended. The other big story was Thunder Rosa. And Thunder Rosa being suspended, which was debunked, because Voices of Wrestling put out a fucking bullshit article behind the paywall that they wanted you to pay for, and you got 98% wrong information. Thunder Rosa and Jamie Hayter don't have any heat. They don't have any legit heat between each other. If there's any heat there, it's coming from outside sources. It's coming from influential sources in the women's locker room. I don't need to tell you who that's from. Just look at who Jamie Hayter is working with. Fightful can confirm Voices of Wrestling's report. I don't know what the fuck they're confirming. None of it is right. None of it is right. The only thing that they did get right is the part that Fightful is confirming that Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa have backstage heat and they can't stand each other. It is nuclear fucking heat. They absolutely can't stand each other. Now, with that having been the case for well over a year, it's not going to stop anytime soon because they're both employed by AEW. Still, the two attempted to remain professional and work with each other. And from what we were told, remain open to doing so for the sake of simply doing their jobs. However, Jamie Hayter also had developed heat with Rosa after she had gotten her nose broken in a match recently. Now, I don't know where the fucking nose broken in the match came from. I don't know what spot it came from. I don't know what had happened, who was in the wrong, who was in the right. I don't know. It's as if Jamie Hayter has broken a nose and it's the first time she's gotten injured in the ring. Jamie Hayter herself is stiff as a fucking bitch in the ring. She is fucking brutal in the ring with what she does. And I guarantee it's not the first time she broke any bones in her body. But she's apparently pissed that Thunder Rosa broke her nose. So much heat of the... So much of the heat that Rosa is getting has emerged from her working stiff in the ring. Apparently, think people think that she isn't as trained as she leads on to be. If Thunder Rosa is stiff, then I don't know what the fuck you call Jamie here. Word emerged that Jamie Hayter, apparently, and we'll get to the Jamie Hayter situation uh, more at the end of this, the fact that Thunder Rosa hid in a bathroom, which is not the case at all. Word emerged shortly before Dynamite that Thunder Rosa was injured, wouldn't be competing at all out. Fightful had gained word that the original plan was for Tony Storm to emerge the victor and win the women's title at All Out. Now she'll compete for the interim AEW women's title against Hikaru Shida, Britt Baker, and Jamie Hayter. No creative plans have been set with this fatal four-way. Talent has contacted us on both sides of things regarding Thunder Rosa, with many saying that she's worked hard to help get young women's talent booked and others that perceive her as developing an ego and being difficult to work with. Of course, she's going to be difficult to work with when you make her life as champion difficult. Of course, she's going to be difficult to work with. This is what I talk about with WWE. You know, this goes in line with the Bray Wyatt situation. How many times did we document the Bray Wyatt situation? Oh, Bray Wyatt was fired because Vince McMahon couldn't stand Bray Wyatt. 
Vince McMahon couldn't stand Bray Wyatt because Bray Wyatt spoke up about the things that they were doing wrong with his character and his vision. Nobody would listen to him. He came to them with a story and a vision and a whole thing about the character, and they wanted to take it over for themselves and do it their way and leave him out and neglect everything he brought to the table. So when someone sees that and feels that they're being mistreated and their voice is not being heard, then they start to raise their own voice at management and tell management, this is not what I want. This is the way it should be. This is my character. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. That's interpreted as Bray Wyatt has a bad attitude. But what did you do to him to get him to that point of having a bad attitude? You've neglected him and silenced him. You booked him into oblivion. You made him become a slave to your creative and your vision that doesn't fall in line with what he's thinking. And then at that point, he develops animosity and hatred for the business he's working in and falls out of love with something that he should love, pro wrestling. That's what's happening here with Thunder Rosa. That's the same thing that's happening here with Thunder Rosa. How much you want to bet that this woman is falling out of love with what she's doing? Who's to say that she even wants to be the women's champion? I know I wouldn't. With all the political bullshit that's happening backstage and the fucking way you've been booking me and treating me and the fucking aspect of the division not getting any better. Everything I'm doing here is for what? Nothing. You're not making the division better with me as champion, though I thought I was going to be the fucking workhorse of this division and make this division better. I doubt she even wants the fucking title. I know I wouldn't if I'm her. Now there'll be an interim women's champion. And if Britt Baker wins that title, it goes to show you how right I was about Britt Baker being the Charlotte Flair of the women's division. Britt Baker winning that championship is going to be the death of that division. It wasn't good with Britt as champion, and it's not going to be good with Britt as champion for a second time. The same problems that were there then are going to be even more present now. She's worked hard to get women's wrestling over. She's developed an ego. Of course she has. Of course she has. When everybody else is getting pushed above her, she thinks that she should be right there with them. And then that's people looking at this story and looking at Rosa and seeing her act that way. And she's developing an ego. Those that we talk to who work with her at Mission Pro Wrestling have said nothing but positive things about her leadership when she's around. The bathroom spot with Jamie Hayter. There were reports that Thunder Rosa hid in a bathroom after Jamie Hayter's spots when she broke her nose, fearing that Jamie Hayter was going to beat her ass. Rosa is not afraid of anybody in the locker room. We don't know what the real reason was that she went to the bathroom. Maybe she had to go to the bathroom. Maybe she had to go number two after a long match. I don't know. Maybe she was just upset with something that happened in the match and she was down on herself and she didn't want to appear weak in front of the locker room when people look at her as the leader of the locker room. You know, someone like that who takes great pride in what they do, they're a leader and they show it. Their emotions are at a high level. They're not afraid to wear their emotions on their sleeve, let you know when they're sad, let you know when they're down, let you know when they're angry and when they don't like something. Who's to say that she wasn't 
pleased with the quality of the match, and she wanted to go be by herself for a little bit. And the bathroom was the only solace that she had away from the locker room. Everybody wants to paint this picture of, yeah, Rosa broke Jamie Hayter's nose, and she went to the bathroom because they felt like DMD and Jamie Hayter were going to beat her ass. Rosa is a trained MMA fighter. If she wants to fight somebody, she'll fight somebody. I don't understand this narrative that's being spewed here. Rosa is injured. Bulging discs in her back. She went on Busted Open Radio and talked about this injury. She says she can barely fear her legs. That's a problem. That's a problem. So Voices of Wrestling said that Thunder Rosa was suspended. Clearly, she said that's bullshit. Bullshit. So she was on Busted Open Radio this week. She detailed the pain in her back, noting that she will likely be out for a couple of months and can't feel her legs. I'm not the best physically right now. I'm not going to lie. I was in a lot of pain yesterday. A lot has been happening in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to be out of commission. I'm not sure for how long, but a couple of months probably because of the problem with my back. Back problems are not easy. Some days are good. Some days are not. And yesterday was not a good day. I was in a lot of pain. So right now I'm laying in my bed on my computer doing the show and I'm in a lot of pain. Yeah, I can't feel my legs. Tommy Dreamer discussed the seriousness of back injuries and the need to let your body heal. That's one of the reasons I'm taking time off, Rosa stated. I want to clear the air. This is not fake. This is not a work. I'm not comparing injuries to injuries. If I could fucking walk, I would fucking walk. I'm sorry. My doctor didn't clear me to wrestle, and I'm not clear to wrestle. Not that I don't want to do a match on Sunday. I can't walk, and it's a shame that this is going to be put on social media not only because it discredits me as an athlete, but it discredits me as a wrestler. I'm sorry, guys. I want to walk when I'm 40. I have the right to say no. I can't walk. I can't do it. I have my whole life. I don't want to have surgery. And if we keep doing this, then I'm going to be out for longer. Stop reading the dirt sheets online. Not everything that's being said is true. Like, seriously, that's why I am here to clear the air. If anyone has a problem with me, you can call Busted Open. You call my number. You can tell me to my face. I don't hide from my problems. I don't, ru- I don't run from my problems. You can talk to me. My door is open. I have taken accountability for what has happened. Stop reading stupid shit online, said Rosa on Busted Open. You know, I find it pretty funny how she says, It's a shame that this is going to be put on social media, not only because it discredits me as an athlete, but it discredits me as a wrestler. Yet we got Britt Baker going on live television saying, this is not what a champion does. What a champion does is something that I did and I wrestled for my entire reign with a broken fucking wrist. Who allowed Britt Baker to go out there and say that? Meanwhile, Thunder Rosa is off television in bed, barely can walk, and has no feeling in her legs. Who okayed that fucking promo? The only one that would okay that promo is Tony Khan. Why is something like that said when there's a legit injury here to Thunder Rosa and she can't fucking walk? That's what I want to know. The backstage politics seem to be rearing its ugly head with Tony Khan, Britt Baker, and AEW. And Britt Baker is not the only one 
who has political pull in that company. Another fucking ego that we need to put to the side and really set the record straight with. That's bullshit. I'm sorry. Shit like that should not be said. And every fucking person that was injured, every single fucking person, did you hear Punk come out, tell everybody he's injured? Did you hear anybody else claim that, oh, he's not a real champion? If Adam Page broke his fucking foot, would everybody come out or somebody come out on live television claiming that Adam Page wasn't a real champion or, 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 or has a back injury and can't fucking walk? Would somebody claim he's not a real champion? Would you do that to Kenny Omega? Would you do that to Dax Harwood? If Dax can't defend one of his three championships because he's got a bad back and needs to relinquish the titles, is someone going to come out claiming that he's not a real champion? Would you do that to Jade Cargill? Would you do that to Brian Danielson or John Moxley or Cesaro? No. No, you won't. But it's okay for Britt Baker to say that about Thunder Rosa, though, right? And no, don't tell me she's playing a character. No, don't tell me she's playing a heel. Don't tell me she's amping it up. That's Britt Baker. Britt Baker doesn't play a fucking character. She's a dentist. That's her attitude. That's the attitude that she carries backstage. That's the attitude that supposedly got this fucking Voices of Wrestling bullshit out there to the general public. That Thunder Rosa hit in the bathroom from Jamie Hader because Jamie Hader was going to beat her ass. Why do you think all this bad shit is being leaked by dirt sheets in regards to Thunder Rosa? Why do you think the locker room is half split on Thunder Rosa being right and wrong? The wrong side of the locker room is being manipulated by Britt Baker and company because she has heat with Thunder Rosa. So anything to cut Rosa down, Britt Baker will come out and do. Those that agree with Thunder Rosa, obviously, they're going to stay out of this shit, but they've said Rosa hasn't done anything wrong. Nonsense. Nonsense. You know, Thunder Rosa doesn't deserve that, man. We may be a fan of Thunder Rosa on this show, but I'm telling you right now, this happens more and more and more. And if this continues to happen when she comes back and the neglect and the bullshit that she had to deal with, I mean, don't you think she has a right to be upset? Look at her fucking run. Look at her run. She won the title. Everybody was happy. Britt put her over, right? Britt no sold the last three minutes of that match, but put her over. Her first few out of the Britt Baker match was Nyla Rose. The first thing that out of Nyla Rose, out of Nyla Rose's mouth was the fact that Thunder Rosa doesn't have a green card to be here. That's the way we're starting off Thunder Rosa's title run. A green card against Nyla Rose. Then she gets into the Marina Shafir bullshit. Then she gets into the sandbagging shit. Britt Baker supposedly ran with the sandbagging shit. That was not in the promo originally. Thunder Rosa saw that was in the promo. She wanted that taken out. Britt Baker went to Tony Khan. Tony Khan approved it being in there. And that was it. That was it. Britt Baker once again getting something over on Thunder Rosa. That's why Thunder Rosa came out with sandbagging 24-7 or whatever the fuck she had on her shirt. She tried to dumb down the situation and make light of it. Try and make money off of it, which was the right thing to do because I would have did the same thing. I don't understand that. Sandbag. Well, I don't know where this, this, this sandbagging shit came from. 
Why she was put in a feud with Marina Shafir of all fucking people. Marina Shafir sucks. Marina Shafir is garbage. She, she shouldn't even be employed. The fuck are we doing? That's what you think of Thunder Rosa? Marina Shafir? You only had Marina Shafir on television because you were wanting to lure Roderick Strong away from NXT after the three reports that he's asked for his release three separate times. So you figure, you know, let's put his wife on television. Maybe he'll see that we're treating her good over here and may want to come over here. That ain't happening now. That ain't happening now. Which begs the question, why isn't Ethan Page on television? Remember when Britt Baker said the only reason why you're here is because they wanted your tag team partner? How true that rings as well. Ethan Page was only signed to AEW because Tony Khan wanted to lure Josh Alexander away from Impact Wrestling. They didn't want Ethan Page. They wanted Josh Alexander. Where's Ethan Page now? Barely gets TV time. I don't need dirt sheets to figure that shit out. Open your fucking eyes and use proper logic. Take it, apply, and then there it is. This entire Thunder Rolls of bullshit is that. Bullshit. Stop reading shit online. Now, according to David Bixenspan, another fucking neckbeard virgin online, he reached out to multiple sources who have worked with Rosa and AEW. This is a new article, by the way, today. He reached out to sources in an attempt to work out what is going on with Thunder Rosa. On the reports of Rosa hiding in the bathroom after she broke Jamie Hader's nose in their title match, Two sources noted that hiding in the bathroom may have been a figure of speech, but Rosa was indeed nowhere to be found following the match, with one noting that she sprinted from the ring after the match. Okay, so she went to the bathroom, but it was used as a figure of speech. Where are you getting your information from? Maybe she wasn't happy with the match that happened at Battle of the Belts. Did anybody ever fucking cross that line? Or come to that determination. Maybe she wasn't pleased with the match and she was upset about herself and wanted time for herself. She wanted to be out of there in that moment. Same sources note that Rosa was told of the injury when she emerged and did try to apologize, only to lock herself in the bathroom, subsequently potentially leading to the two stories being mixed up. One of the ideas of Rosa's habits becoming intentional The sources provided mixed responses, even from some of her detractors. One AEW opponent of Rosa claimed that she is simply badly trained and never improved her fundamentals, but also believed some incidents could not be an accident. One source who worked with Rosa in a behind-the-scenes role in Lucha Underground disagreed with the claim, saying that nobody can say she doesn't have fundamentals. You know, John Cena had his nose fucking destroyed by Seth Rollins. I never heard anything of the line of Seth Rollins can't work. Seth Rollins broke John Cena's nose. Seth Rollins injured Finn Balor off of a fucking buckle bomb on the outside and nearly retired Sting. I never heard anybody tell anybody else that Seth Rollins couldn't work or he needed to work on fundamentals. What the fuck are we talking about? Is what I want to know. What are we talking about? Broken noses don't happen. Injuries don't happen. Accidents don't happen. 
Mentioned this on Thursday. You'd think Big E would fucking blast Ridge Holland publicly. He'd have the biggest heat in the fucking locker room. You'd think the New Day would fucking have the biggest heat on Ridge Holland after breaking Big E's neck. Everybody lives in this harmonious fucking locker room. Everything is water under the bridge. Accidents happen. Rich Holland was forgiven. It sounds like to me, this locker room is void of a leader. That's what it sounds like to me. Sounds like this locker room is being led by somebody who's really facilitating the anti-Rosa narrative. And if that is continuing on in the locker room, I'm telling you this right now, and you can fucking quote me on this. If this is going to continue to happen, and Thunder Rosa is not going to be treated as an equal in that locker room, Triple H will not hesitate to open up his wallet and pay Rosa whatever the fuck he wants or she wants. All of this is basically, and I'm telling this right now, I don't know, I don't talk to them, I don't know them. She popped into my chat once in a while just to see what was going on because she's a fan of pro wrestling. And we got the number one fucking podcast in all of the IWC on AEW Wednesday night. So I'm not surprised that she's in here. Plus, Jesse and I do good work, right? I'm telling you this right now. Tony Khan is actively pushing Rosa into the grasp of Triple H. That's what he's doing. And you want to know what type of person Tony Khan is going to end up being? He's going to be the same fucking guy. He's going to be Vince McMahon in this that thinks that he can open up his wallet and make everything all better because that's exactly what Vince McMahon did. Let me open up my wallet. Money will make everything better. Ain't going to work this time. For all we know, she don't even want to be the world champion. For all we know, she don't even want to be in that fucking locker room. Why the fuck would she want to be in that locker room when they got the locker room half divided because of fucking narratives being spread by the people that don't like her? It's unbelievable. Triple H will not hesitate to take Thunder Rosa away from AEW. And that's exactly what I see happening here. Sounds like this locker room is a fucking mess. The same AEW opponent also believed that when Rosa messes up a spot in the match, the match usually goes south, that it usually undermines her opponent, specifically claiming that Rosa has a hesitance to feed opponents offense or bump for them. Another opponent of Rosa defended her, claiming that Rosa definitely has a tendency to be snug, but they've never felt it was reckless or too much, adding that Rosa immediately apologized anytime it has come across as such. The article goes into more detail about Rose's backstage attitude towards unsigned talent on AEW Dark and Revelation, or Elevation, with one extra on the show claiming that Rosa berated her and accused her of being poorly trained. Nothing wrong with that. If you suck, you suck. If you're a menace to everybody's health and fucking safety in there, of course you will be berated. Whoever this person is, I have no idea. An AEW contracted wrestler also recalled hearing Rosa yelling at another extra so loudly that it could be heard from down the hall. Other extras, however, noted that they had nothing but positive interaction with Rosa, with one extra adding, when I was backstage at AEW, she was actually one of the few that sat down with me and a couple of my friends just to chat about business. 
Nothing but positive interactions with her. All of this seemed to back up what was stated in a recent Fightful Select report, which was that people in the locker room are pretty much divided in their opinions of Thunder Rosa. Sounds like to me that the politics backstage are getting out of hand and that things really need to start fucking changing. Things need to start changing. I mentioned this on Friday. I'm not happy with where AEW sits right now. I'm not. I think AEW right now creatively is in a lull that they really need to desperately get themselves out of. I watched Rampage last night and I was, I was not mortified like a Vince McMahon Monday Night Raw. But I'm sitting there asking myself, why am I waiting until 11 o'clock to go live on YouTube when this show, if I miss it, I miss nothing? And I know you guys don't really give a shit about it either. I'm, I'm seriously contemplating going live at 10 o'clock on Friday night to talk about SmackDown and SmackDown only. Unless Rampage is going to go live, I don't really give a shit. AEW is not where it needs to be right now. Tony Khan signed all this talent. He brought this talent in. He's hoarding this talent. How much different is it compared to Vince McMahon? Vince McMahon hoarded talent, didn't use talent. Used talent, got bored of them, put them back on the toy shelf, forgot they even existed. Then when he realized they did exist and they had dust scattered all about, he ended up releasing them for something new. For a shiny new toy or a shiny new slot or a shiny new fucking mantle on his office. I don't know. Tony Khan is hoarding talent for what? For what? I don't understand why you need all this talent in the company. And then at the end, you're going to get nothing but complaints. Half of the fucking people don't even get TV time. Brian Cage, Andrade, The House of Black, Wardlow, Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky. I mean, the list goes on and on. The list goes on and on. It's like a free-for-all every fucking week. I appreciate when the shows don't have the same feeling to them like a Monday night or Friday night. But I mean, Jesus fucking Christ, Wardlow's won the TNT title, and where the fuck has he been on television? The only reason why he was on television last night in a nothing match is because he's from fucking Cleveland. That's the only reason why he was on television. But Wardlow's the type of guy that you need on television every fucking week building that show around. He's the TNT fucking champion. Why isn't this man built around, or why isn't the show built around Wardlow? I don't understand. The, the, the one thing that really pissed me off is the House of Black versus Dark Order match. For months, we were told, yeah, Kenny Omega, he's going to be safe for the Trios tournament. They got big plans for the Trios tournament, and that's what they're waiting for Kenny Omega for. This is the big plan that you waited for? This is the big plan that you wanted Kenny Omega back for, the Trios tournament. Your big plan was the Dark Order versus the Elite in the final, because that's where it's going. So not only did you handcuff your tag team division, because every fucking tag team that is of note is in this tournament, Everybody else is off doing something else. This is what you waited for Kenny Omega to come back for? Kenny Omega versus number 10. Kenny Omega versus Adam Page, right? The elite versus Adam Page. This is what we waited for. 
This is what we bypassed the Young Bucks versus FTR for at All Out. I don't, I don't understand this logic. Sounds like it's reckless booking, if you ask me. So you took the titles off of the Young Bucks to put them on Swerve and Keith Lee. You took the titles off the Bucks and put them on Swerve and Keith Lee to defend those titles against the acclaimed. You took the titles off the Young Bucks to put them in the trios tournament with Kenny Omega so that they can wrestle the Dark Order in the finals of the trios tournament. That is your plan? So we go from Bucks FTR to this. There was no other plan for the trios tournament? House of Black versus Blackpool Combat Club. Fucking uh, Andrade and Roosh and Dragon Lee versus the Blackpool Combat Club. Or fucking Andrade and Company versus the House of Black. I, 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 don't, I don't really understand this. Yet people think that I'm critical of WWE and not AEW. But here I am. I had fucking people telling me that where's JD with AEW not treating Malachi Black the way that he should. Or the way that they should. I'm sorry. I ranted for 30 minutes last night about Malachi Black. You think I liked him being pinned by Alex Reynolds? Of all the fucking people to be pinned by, Alex Reynolds is your guy to pin Malachi Black. A jobber. The Dark Order are jobbers. Yet Alex Reynolds has been off television. I can't even fucking tell you the last time I saw Alex Reynolds is pinning Malachi Black. Now, granted, distraction roll-ups will be happening. It's a normal thing in pro wrestling. But Miro, Miro put his hands on Buddy Matthews and back body dropped him, a.k.a. attacked him during the match. Meanwhile, there's no DQ. Now, did the referee see it? We didn't get any fucking referee signs or any, any referee vantage point. Where was the DQ? I would have taken that. Honestly, why didn't we get a DQ there? That's number one. That pissed me off. Number two, Malachi acting like, acting all distracted, being pinned by Alex Reynolds. Couldn't have Preston Vance pin him? Preston Vance is just as big, if not bigger, than Malachi Black. At least I would have been a little bit more in, in the know or in, in the believability that number 10 pinned Malachi Black. So you, br- you, you bring House of Black to television. You put them in the Shreo tournament to get eliminated by Alex Reynolds. After Malachi's been feuding with Sting and Darby, they've looked good. Buddy Matthews is back. Brody King has looked like a fucking absolute savage. This is what you want to do. We needed that to happen to get us to Miro, Darby, and Sting against the House of Black. I don't understand the logic behind the House of Black. I mean, I don't understand their, their creative. You put them on television... You get one of NXT black and gold shining stars. You give him this fucking big feud with Cody. And then he disappears into nothingness. We get nothing in regards to any sort of importance for the House of Black. Nothing. They couldn't have been in the finals against the Blackpool Combat Club. All of this shit just kind of pissed me off. All of it. And the commentators last night pissed me off. Four-man commentary teams. Five-man commentary teams. I mean, what the fuck are we doing? You want your show to mean something, two commentary teams are the way to go. I got people telling me, oh, I like it. You like four guys dancing all over each other on commentary? 
You like that? You're like four different voices in your fucking headset all the time. I don't understand that. We don't need four commentary, guys, on commentary. We don't need four on Dynamite. We don't need four on Rampage. Two is fine. Stop giving me more than I need. Two on Dynamite, two on Rampage. Get a team on Dynamite and get a team on Rampage. I don't understand the logic. Tony Khan is going the Vince McMahon route. Quantity over quality. He's got half the roster he doesn't fucking use. Half of the roster he can't find TV time for. Rampage is in fucking shambles. Commentary team is a fucking circus every goddamn fucking week. How many fucking titles do we got in this company? We got an AEW world title, TNT title, TBS title, tag team title, six-man title. We got an All-Atlantic title. We got the Ring of Honor title. We got the trios titles in AAA. We got the fucking mixed tag team titles in AAA. I mean, give me a fucking break. I get you want Claudio on the show, but Claudio doesn't need to be on the show representing the fucking Ring of Honor world title. He doesn't. Nothing about Ring of Honor needs to be present on Dynamite. Nothing. Ring of Honor is Ring of Honor. Keep that shit to Ring of Honor and get it off Dynamite. We don't need their titles. We don't need their performers. We don't need them. Nobody told you to go out and buy Ring of Honor. Nobody told you to go out and sit on Ring of Honor until you come up with a fucking TV deal with Warner Media. If you want Ring of Honor on television so badly, YouTube exists. Honor Club exists. People will pay if they want to watch it. I don't need Claudio defending the Ring of Honor title against Dustin Rhodes on Rampage. Or defending it against fucking Takeshita on Battle of the Belts. Thought it was a great match. It means nothing for the lineage and the prestige of the Ring of Honor title. You want Claudio on the show? You brought him in to wrestle Zack Sabre. You brought him in to be in the Blackpool Combat Club. You brought him in to wrestle in Blood and Guts. Get him on Dynamite. We don't need him via Dynamite, via Ring of Honor. Where's Pac with the All-Atlantic title? Where? Was this title needed in the company? Jim Ross even stated on his own show, one of the major concerns he has for AEW is that there's too many titles. The more titles you got, the less valuable all the titles will be. They should be something that are sought after, not given out as fucking candy at Halloween. Pac is a great wrestler. Pac does not need a world championship For the sake of giving him a world championship, it means nothing if he hasn't defended the title on Dynamite. Oh, but he's defended the title on Dark. Oh, he's defended the title on Evelation. Oh, he's this and that and fucking overseas. PWG, this and that. Fucking some unknown fucking UK, bro. I don't give a fuck. If I don't see it on Dynamite, it didn't happen to me. It didn't fucking happen and it doesn't matter. Oh, but he's getting set up with a feud with uh, Kip Sabian. Great. Great. How long did it take them to get that started? Where's the backstory to that? Do we need an all-Atlantic championship? No. No. I want to see you create women's tag team titles. I want to see it. You can't even get your fucking division the right way. You can't book your fucking division the right way. You want to add tag team fucking titles? 
You can't even book Thunder Rosa the right way. You're going to book women's tag team titles. With who? Look at that women's division. Look at that division. Even though she's a political monster, Britt Baker, Serena Deeb, Hikaru Shida, Thunder Rosa, Jamie Hayter, Tony Storm, Athena, Jake Cargill. Who else am I missing? Chris Statlander when she's healthy. Who else am I missing? Who else am I missing? Look at that division. Look at it. Nine women. I know I'm in a red velvet. Who's come a long way? Right? I, I, I don't understand the division that you have there. Can't find TV time for any one of them. Thunder Rosa gets fucking shit end of the stick. Jade Cargill's undefeated because she's Tony Khan's pet project. Did I mention Tony Storm? That's 10. 10 I mean, you got 10, 11 women there. You got a division that rivals WWE's divisions on Monday and Friday night. Why is it being booked, booked into oblivion? You have a great women's division, and it almost acts as if you don't have a women's division. Why am I seeing dark and elevation bleed onto Rampage? Why am I seeing dark and elevation bleed onto Dynamite? I don't want to see anything about dark on Rampage or on Dynamite. Dark should be used as a grounds for promotion to the main roster. I don't need to see people wrestling on there and then all of a sudden they show up on Dynamite. Hey, we're getting an open challenge with this woman. She's won four matches in a row on Dark. What? You have to be fucking kidding me. This is what I said last night. You need divisions. You need order. The ranking system that they have is a fucking farce. You need main event guys. You need to line up everybody. They're in the main event. They're competing for that world title. They're competing amongst themselves. You need to develop a fucking division for the AEW world title and put that together. Who you want there in that. That's where you put them. Same thing with the TNT title. Who you want to be in the secondary division? You put them there. Tag team, same thing. Women's division, same thing. Obviously led by Thunder Rosa and Jade Cargill. Everybody's all over the place. I feel like everybody is scattered everywhere. We got Ryan Nemeth challenging for the fucking TNT title last night on Rampage. Why? Why? Fucking ridiculous. Tony Khan is going to be in deep, deep shit. He is. The backstage politics getting out of hand. This is everything you heard about in WW. The backstage politics. The backstage politics. He's allowing Britt Baker to run that fucking locker room and run that women's division right into the ground. No wonder the women's division is not going anywhere. She's fucking Charlotte Flair. He's got Charlotte Flair 3.0 on his fucking roster. Nothing will change unless he starts being a fucking leader. Tony Khan needs a fucking writing team. He needs a writing team. He needs a dedicated staff like Triple H has a dedicated staff. He had a dedicated staff. You want to be Mr. Big Shot. You know, Triple H is the right guy to follow. 
And I don't mean this as, you know, me being a shill for Papa H, but NXT, black and gold, was the very best that this fucking country has seen in a very long time. Might have cost Ring of Honor a lot of talent. It might have cost the Indies in the UK seen a lot of talent. But Jesus fucking Christ, Triple H gave you the WWE the way the WWE was meant to be portrayed. He did it right. He had a writing team. Himself, Shawn Michaels, William Regal, Ryan Katz, Ryan Ward, and whoever else was fucking down there helping him with creative, sitting in every fucking week as they taped one month of television in a span of two days. They go back to the drawing board and write for the next four weeks of television. Rinse and repeat for a taped show on one hour time slot, 8 p.m. WWE Network. Tony Khan's writing a book in the show himself. He's got his big notebook of, uh, of uh, what he wants on the show. It ain't working, bro. It ain't working. It's all over the place. There's no structure. There's no order. And you're booking the show haphazardly. Haphazardly. You need a writing team. You want to get together a talent relations department that isn't doing any talent relations because Britt Baker's fucking running a monstrous fucking environment down in AEW in the women's division. What talent relations? How are they going to allow that to happen, yet you can call talent relations, talent relations? You don't see that shit happening in the WWE women's locker room with Triple H there, right? All you hear about is the happiness and the fucking joy that people are, are there, are now experiencing. Meanwhile, we got Eddie Kingston being suspended, Thunder Rosa being treated like shit, Britt Baker running wild and doing whatever she wants, CM Punk dropping pipe bombs on Adam Page, Adam Page and CM Punk getting into a John Moxley, this and that. I mean, the locker room's in shambles. The locker room is in fucking shambles. You need a writing team. You need a solid nucleus of six or seven guys to sit down and go over creative. You need to take a step back and realize that your vision and your your creative is not the only one that's going to be in play. Seems like when Cody Rhodes went away, a lot of that fucking logic went out the window. Not to say that all AEW television's been bad. He's gotten some things right, but he never follows up on anything. Tony Khan's like the the, the greatest mastermind that there is in execution, but the follow-up means nothing. Case in point, Wardlow. Wardlow was being built up as your Bill Goldberg. Now he's being booked like Gilberg. With a fucking title around his waist, that means absolutely nothing. He needs a writing team. He needs order. He needs people in place on that roster in divisions. World title, TNT title, tag team title, women's title. Enough is enough. Triple H, the greatest analogy that I think I've ever portrayed or projected to you guys. Triple H is the fucking dragon in Lord of the Rings. He's Smaug living in the fucking mountain underneath all the buried treasure. Bilbo sent in there by the fucking dwarfs to go find this fucking jewel. What they find is a dragon. The dragon awakes, knowing exactly what the dwarfs are up to. The dragon eventually plays with Bilbo for a little bit, tries to get information out of Bilbo, tries to get out the names of the dwarfs that have sent him there. 
After all the toying and playing around, the dragon breaks through the mountain and the dragon's on his way to the village to fucking burn everybody and incinerate everybody into fucking smithereens. That dragon is Triple H. You want to get Triple H to fly to your fucking village and burn you down fucking rung by rung, step by step, by all means, have at it. Because we haven't seen Triple H escape the mountain yet. We haven't seen Triple H do anything of note yet. The bare minimum has been done. And don't tell me that Tony Khan isn't ruffled or, or, or uh, you know, a little, a little petrified there. He's a little, a little nervous. He booked AEW the same way Triple H, or at least tried to. He tried to book AEW the way Triple H booked NXT. He tried. Now that Triple H, he tried to do that when Triple H was not there, thinking that he was going to give all the wrestling fans, the diehards, exactly what they missed because WWE killed NXT. Now that Triple H is back, he's giving us NXT on the main roster with a bigger budget and more talent, and then he's going to go in NXT and go back to NXT and do what NXT usually does after he gets done with the main roster. You haven't woken this dragon from the mountain yet. Triple H has done the bare minimum. You don't want him to wake up and break through that mountain. Tony Khan is, I don't want to say scared, but Tony Khan is a little on edge because of the momentum that WWE has right now. AEW's taking a hit because of WWE. The tides have have changed. The winds of change have happened now. And I don't believe I'm saying that because that was a big narrative I pushed with AEW. Now the winds of change are going in the other direction. They're going more towards WWE and they're moving away from AEW. AEW is not as hot as they were. The honeymoon phase is over. Now we need to start criticizing so that they get back on the right track, and I'm not afraid to do that. If you don't appreciate that, I don't really give a fuck what you think. The truth needs to be said. There's a lot of wrong with the AW product. We got a great dynamite on Wednesday, minus the fucking CM Punk, John Moxley situation, which I gave praise to. Let's wait and see. I think we're getting a heel turn. So I was a little bit more open to that. And this Wednesday, we're going to get Omega and Osprey in the, in the main event. Great. We've got John Moxley on the show addressing CM Punk and whatever else is planned for the show. Great. Sure, Dynamite's going to be a great show nonetheless. But you don't want to wake up that fucking dragon. You don't want to get that dragon to a point where he's going to fly over the town and fucking start spewing fire everywhere. Something needs to be done and in a hurry. There is a reason why AEW attendance is down. There's a reason why AEW has not sold out the Now Center. There's a reason why AEW has not even come close to selling out the Grand Slam show in Queens. At Arthur Ashe Stadium. Last year, All Out was sold out pre-sale. Last year, Grand Slam was sold out basically in three days. Basically. With a couple of thousand seats left over. I don't even think they've reached into the 10,000s yet for Grand Slam. I think All Out is going to do the worst pay-per-view number that Tony Khan has had on pay-per-view. And it's because of the booking. And it's because of the recklessness of the backstage environment. People are getting upset and losing their patience. In fact, I hope All Out is a huge pay-per-view fail. I hope so. Because that is going to hit him where it hurts most. And that will wake him up to saying, you know what? Maybe I do really need to change. 
Maybe what I'm working with right now and what I'm doing is not really coming out and being best for business. And I mean that. I hope all out bombs. Fan interest, fan excitement, and pay-per-view buys. Because that's the only way he'll learn. Something needs to be done. Something needs to change. Something needs to wake up that dragon within Tony Khan because right now, I'm seeing more Vince McMahon in Tony Khan than I am seeing Tony Khan in Tony Khan. And that's not a good thing. The Wild Wild West that was in WWE somehow is bled into AEW. Political narratives being pushed. You're pushing Rosa right into Triple H's arms. You got a women's division that is non-existent. You got a show that is haphazardly booked all over the fucking place. I think I have fucking ADD watching this fucking show every week. Something needs to change. And I honestly, I'm not the only one that feels that way. A lot of people are feeling that way about AEW. A lot. And I don't say this because I'm flipping sides. Everybody wanted to fucking spew the narrative. I'm on AEW's payroll. I'm not. I'm not on Tony Khan's payroll. I'm not on Triple H's payroll. I'm on the fucking I want best shows possible payroll. I'm about wanting what's best for business. I'm about what's wanting. I'm about what the fans want. We're not getting that. We were. And now we're not. I don't say shit on this show because I'm flipping sides. I was never pro-WWE or pro-AEW, one over the other. I've always been for pro wrestling. When WWE fucks up, I let you know. When they do good, I let you know. When AEW does good, I'll let you know. When AEW fucks up, I'll let you know. This is the time now where we start letting AEW that that they fucked up. Seriously. And if you got a problem with that, go watch somebody who's not going to cover the shit that I cover and tell you what needs to be fixed in hopes that they get that next interview or get that next media scrum fucking invite or whatever the fucking case may be, which I may have ruined my chance anyway. So I'm certainly sure somebody watched my fucking rant from last night and then this one tonight and deem me not AEW appropriate. Little do they know that I'm pro-AEW and I want the best for the company. But things need to change because I'm seeing a lot of Vince McMahon and what's going on here, and that's not the right way to go. Get your house in order. Get your structure in place. Otherwise, that dragon is coming right for you, and his name is Paul Levesque. Because if you think the tampering of the contracts is the only thing he's going to fucking try and do to you, you wait This man's already waiting with an open checkbook from his wife, waiting to poach every one of your fucking talent away from you. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do then? What are you going to have to back yourself up when Darby Allen's contract's up, when MJF's contract's up, when Andrade's contract's up, when Black's contract's up, when Keith Lee's contract's up, when Swerve's contract's up? What are you going to do when Bryant's contract's up, when... Moxley's contract is up. What are you going to do when Jericho's contract is up? You're going to be able to throw all this money at them and have it be the end of the day? Like I said, just like Vince McMahon, let me open my wallet and make believe money is going to fix everything. You have not awakened the dragon yet, and I don't think you want to even test 
You do not want to be Bilbo Baggins. Guys, let's get into the Super Chats. Because I am really thirsty for a cold beverage. I appreciate you guys joining me tonight. We got seven new members. We got 1,300 likes. Thank you for all the support tonight. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up and get those Super Chats in. And once again, shout out to DraftKings. DraftKings.com. Code JD from NY at checkout. Well, at... uh, when you finish, yes, JD from NY, use that promo code JD from NY. You're going to get a chance at the pot of $10,000. Jen House with a $5 super chat. JD, I am AEW depressed. Can I please get a. <laughs> I come in Jiro. Thank you for my hero and IWC Messiah. I don't know if I'm a hero, Jen, but I appreciate the comment. Rathu Well with a $2 super chat. Howdy, JD. How do I join the Discord server? I got to find the proper working link, and then I'll post it in the community section for members only, Rathu Well. I'll get that to you guys uh, if I do remember tonight. Miles Marable with a $9.99 super chat, or Marable with a $9.99 super chat. JD, if the plan is for Cody to come back and win the Royal Rumble, would you prefer him to come out at number 30 or have Seth enter number one and Cody number two and have them go outlast everyone with Cody winning? Miles, excellent question. I think coming out at number 30 makes it all too predictable. Number one and two do make it semi-predictable as well, but less predictable, and I think it would be, if, if they could do it, if they could really get Cody to do it, I would prefer number one and two. Fresh Stylers, Inc., Sean Crockett, Kyle Billings, and Sean become a new member. Thank you guys very much. What are you fucking gentlemen drinking? Guardian of Chaos, $9.99. Let's roll a day without OTS. And JD is just unacceptable. Thank you, Guardian. Uh, You guys are going to be missing me at least for a month, uh, for uh, a week in the month of October. I'll be going to Ireland on vacation. So you guys will not have me for, uh, I believe, a Monday, a Tuesday, and a Wednesday. Which I think that week Dynamite is airing on a Tuesday. So realistically, it's just Monday, Night Raw, and Dynamite that week. I'll be back for SmackDown. Tony Brown. For the 199 Super Chat, what's up, young man? Any new meat? No new meat, bro. No new meat. When I got some, I'll report it to you, bro. JLD with a two-month membership. What's up, bro? I agree that TK needs to put creative team in place. First, he should put William Regal in charge of Ring of Honor. TK has too much or has taken on too much. I agree, bro. A creative team needs to be in place. Tenario with a $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Just wanted to say hello. Going on a trip to Phoenix for the week, starting tomorrow. It's human as a motherfucker out there, Tenario. Stay cool. Jason Barker with a $20 super chat. What's up, man? Got me some liquid death myself. Agreed 100% about AEW. Fishy like Shotty's poop photos. Thank you, Jason. Gotta love me some liquid death, bro. JC720 with a two-month membership. Hey, JD, shot a bullet in your honor. Cheers. Cheers, brother. 
Tenario, $5 super chat. Hello again, JD, with a classic matches. Uh, with the classic matches, would you call Bret Hart Mr. SummerSlam? I would. I would also like to say that uh, I think Randy Orton is Mr. SummerSlam as well. Quentin Tillman with a new membership. Quentin, thank you so much, brother. Appreciate you, bro. Hologram with a $10 super chat. I was thinking when was AEW last consistently good? From my recollection, it was earlier this year before WrestleMania. AEW abruptly hired Pat Buck days after WrestleMania. It's been downhill ever since. I don't know what Pat Buck's role is there, man. I think he's like an agent backstage. I don't think he's part of creative. It's all in the creative, bro. It's all in the creative. Quentin Tillman with a $10 super chat. Big difference. Triple H and his team. Quality over quantity. Tony Khan and whoever. Quantity over quality. Something needs to give. Dan from Detroit with a $10 super chat. JD, you're absolutely right. I don't want Tony Khan to go down that same dark path Vince McMahon went down. I want AEW to succeed as much as I want WWE to succeed. We all do, bro. There's just a little too much Vince McMahon showing in Tony Khan, man. Both in creative and both in attitude. Micromanaging and just taking over everything because it's his show. Quentin Tillman with a $5 super chat. JD for creative hire. Share on Twitter. Triple H, sign him up. I'd love to work for Triple H, bro. Jonathan McArdle with a 1999 Super Chat. I love watching AEW. My wife and I wonder how long it will take before someone bleeds, especially a Mox match. My favorite wrestler hated the punk match. I was what the fuck all over the place. Who's your favorite? My favorite wrestler. Who's your favorite wrestler, bro? Who hated the match? Yeah, AEW also needs to tone down the bleeding, bro. Tommy Brannigan with a $2 super chat. Renee Young is going back to WWE too. No, she's not. Renee Young only did a documentary on Kevin Owens. Raggy. Scooby the Savior, bro. Two-month membership. Will we get one single belt for the Undisputed World and Tag Team Championships? I hope so. I certainly hope so. Ulysses with a $5 super chat. I could care less about the women's tag team title tournament, but if Raquel turns heel on Aaliyah and joins Bailey's group, I think that would be a good outcome of the match. Maybe. I can't stand her smiling. I would take her not smiling over smiling any day of the week. Brandon James Shea with an eight-month membership. Thank you, Brandon. Jay Stocks with a 99-cent super chat. It leaves me a unicorn. A unicorn emoji. Miles Morable with a 999 Super Chat. JD, I realize I've been listening to you for 10 years now. I was 18, listening to your reviews between classes and college in 2012. You're a true inspiration and never stop being you. Hashtag OTS for life. 10 years is a long fucking time, bro. I was a baby in this YouTube thing 10 years ago. Now I'm the best on the platform in the IWC. Jeremy Lewis with a 13-month membership. I stopped watching WWE Munch after being insulted so long. 
but I feel like Triple H deserves a chance. Is it worth it for disenfranchised fans to get reinvested? Yes. Absolutely, Triple H deserves a chance. I don't know why you haven't watched with all the news. Scenario and JJ Fella become new members. Thank you, fellas. Recky Wizard 777 with an Australia Might 799 Super Chat. I couldn't agree more with everything you said about AEW. My heart legit sank when Blackout rolled up and Thunder Rosa stuff made me sick. Yeah. Yeah, man. Captain Solo. AEW isn't good right now and it pains me to say it. It could be better, bro. It could be better, for sure. Bruce Kraft Jr. with a 1999 Super Chat. Colt sued CM Punk over money that CM Punk said he would give Colt Cabana to cover the WWE Doctor's defamation lawsuit. 550K, CM Punk said that he would cover all of CC's expenses. Later, CM said he would only cover half of CC's cost, hence lawsuit. And now CM Punk is making how much more money, bro? CM Punk is walking away with easy $8 million a year in AEW. Easy. Saints 2025 with four-month membership. Thank you so much, brother. He leaves me a Kevin Dunn. Wood. <laughs> Gotta love it. Bry FNK with a 499 super chat. Even Hikaru Shida has a championship that she recently won in Japan and defended on AEW Dark Elevation. Elevation. Uh, bro, I don't watch Dark. I'm sorry. I I don't care. Captain Solo with a five dollar super chat. Tony Khan puts Ryan Emmett on TV so much because he wishes he had Dolph Ziggler. You're probably not that far off, Captain Solo. Saints with the 499 Super Chat. I want to see Johnny Gargano and Black in the same ring again. Me too. Angel Davila with a $5 Super Chat. The next AW Media Scrum will be interesting with all the negativity and confusion going into All Out. I wonder how TK will handle. Well, I won't be there. I got Clash of the Castle, NXT, and then All Out. Same weekend, man. I ain't going nowhere. I'm staying home. Eli with a 10-month membership. I feel if all out flops, TK is gonna wake up real quick. This is why I that's why I said before, man. I hope it bombs. MGM Ballin with a 499 Super Chat. I don't know if Sidro is here tonight, so I'll do a bad joke. What was Randy Savage's nickname when he worked at a Mexican restaurant? The Nacho Man. Yeah, MGM, I think we're gonna keep the jokes to Sidro, bro. We'll leave it to Sidro, bro. I appreciate the effort though. The Real CJ with a 199 Super Chat. Missed the majority of the stream. Showing my love for OTS. Thank you, CJ. Undisputed Gaming with a 199 Super Chat. No message. Kyle Billings with a 999 Super Chat. Hey, GD, great show tonight. I can't usually chat because I'm at work when you're live, but most of the time, I'm always watching and listening. OTS for life. Love all of you. Thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that, and so does the chat. Oscar with a 499 Super Chat. The Triple H effect has taken over. The AEW effect, it seems. Yes. Yes. The Triple H effect is in full effect, bro. 
Captain Solo and $5 Super Chat. I can just imagine Chris Jericho coming back to WWE with his Judas Ring entrance. It would be epic, just like when Cody debuted with his AEW theme. Yes, I absolutely see that happen. DJ Foot Clan with $5 Super Chat. 100% correct on All Out. Card is very lacking. It is. It is. And we don't have a true main event yet. Maybe on Wednesday. Matthew Malinar with a 199 Super Chat. Thoughts on Lightfall, brother? I can't wait. I can't wait to jump into the uh, King's Fall raid as well, man. I want to get myself some uh, touch of malice. JJ Fellow with a $2 Super Chat. William Regal should have been head of creative. I don't know if William Regal wants that. William Regal may just want to be out of there when his contract is up, man. We don't know. Captain Solo with a $2 Super Chat. Enjoy your cold beverage when you go to Ireland. Uh, I certainly will, bro. Guinness to be had all over the place. Tenario with a $5 Super Chat. Hello, JD. Again, I'd like to add with Randy Orton, I put Mr. Survivor Series and John Cena at Mr. Royal Room. I can see that. Furious Nation, what's up, man? $5 Super Chat. What's up, JD? What drink are you recommending tonight, bro? I'm going with an old-fashioned, man. Always an old-fashioned. But some of my proof... Pecan whiskey, pecan old-fashioned syrup. And Matthew Malnar becomes a member for two months. Keep up the good work, brother. Always love the rants and good music. Also, turning the big 3-0 at midnight, and I'm sure as hell feeling it. It only gets worse, Matthew. It only gets worse, bro. I'm 40. Haven't started feeling it yet, but sooner or later I'm going to be feeling it, man. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me on this tremendous episode of Off the Script. I know we didn't do uh, the normal audience. We we came close, though. We came close. This will be in your subscription boxes anyway. You guys can watch it all through the night. Watch it tomorrow. Reason for the show tonight, once again, was because of uh, House of Glory. I will be at the end. Well, actually, no, it will be at Terminal 5, not the NYC Arena. I'll be at Terminal 5 tomorrow afternoon, man, so don't be afraid to come up to me and buy me. I'm not drinking any cold beverages tomorrow night, guys. So if you want to buy me a beverage, I'll take one. But I have to, I'm going to have to be hydrated with either caffeine or, or liquid death. Caffeine or liquid death, bro. Seriously. Anyway, guys, uh, don't be afraid to come up to me tomorrow. The reason why the show was tonight is because tomorrow I'll be live on Fight TV, man. Big, 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 big show. Oh, my God. Furious Nation with a $100 super chat. Oh, my goodness. Another great and passionate rant that needed to be said tonight. Some people may hate what you said, but at the end of the day, you're right. Again, like I said, things need to change with AEW ASAP. If this keeps up, hoping Triple H goes in there and saves Thunder Rosa. Thank you so much, Fiore Snitch. And that is very, very generous of you for a $100 super chat at the buzzer. And he nails it. Swish. Fight TV tomorrow night, guys. House of Glory, Terminal 5, high intensity, amazing card. I'll be on the call with Solid Monster. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below and turn on that bell for notifications. Next time you see me live will be on Monday. Monday Night Raw. 
We'll be live after the show is over as usual. Brand new week of content right here on OTS. Guys, I need two things from me before I get out of here. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, I need those Mustang emojis in the chat. Number two, I need that music. When that guitar solo comes on, you guys know I want that music on max. I will see you all tomorrow night live on Fight, and I'll see you guys live back here on YouTube for Monday Night Raw right here on OTS. Thank you for a great stream, guys, and I will see you all tomorrow night live on pay-per-view fight tv house of glory terminal five high intensity